Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening, February the 27th. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Appreciate it. Hope you will enjoy this one as we are now into the throes of the final week of the regular season, final weekend of the regular season. We are dancing with uh, conference championships and AQs and at-large bids and Pool C opportunities. Lots to discuss as we get ready to do it all here on Hoopsville. If you got questions for us, and I'm sure you do, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. We are simulcasting the show on Facebook and YouTube, facebook.com slash, um, facebook.com slash Hoopsville and youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. That's where we're simulcasting the show. I can see us up and running. And we welcome everybody in. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We have one thing now in common with the Dan Patrick Show, and that's what we stream on YouTube. Uh, sorry. If you're a fan of Dan Patrick Show, you understand what I'm talking about. Fundraising. Uh, I'm proud to say we are now over $4,000 in our fundraising efforts. Our goal by the end of Monday night will be 7500 We really appreciate everybody who has uh, contributed and helped us out along the way it really means a lot to us, and we thank you uh, for your generosity. Um, let's quickly talk about scheduling. We'll talk about this also during the show, but let's quickly talk about the schedule uh, the rest of the way. Obviously, tonight we are on the air, Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time with Bubble Trouble. That's just kind of the name. I think we're going to stick with these three shows always having the same name, Bubble Trouble. Bubble Trouble tonight. Then Sunday will start at 6 p.m. Eastern, unless you hear otherwise, with Selection Sunday special. Then Monday we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock. Turns out we did this last year, too. I just forgot. Brackets breakdown. Uh, we will break down the brackets and figure out what's going on with the tournaments, etc. Of course, you can get more information by going to our website, d3hoopsville.com. Uh, of course, that's at d3hoops.com. You can also, uh, we will do our best to live stream on Facebook, live stream on YouTube, but most importantly, our partners at Blue Frame Technology. And follow us on Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. You can also follow us on Instagram at d3hoopsville there. We'll do our very best to keep you abreast of things. Not uh, And don't forget, by the way, uh, you can also get us on the streaming on your OTT, thanks to Blue Frame Technology, using our Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, or Amazon Fire TV stuff. Look for us under Team One Sports. You'll find Hoopsville there. You'll find tonight's show there live. You'll see archives. You'll see the upcoming shows as well. That's the Team One Sports app via Blue Frame Technology on Apple TV, Roku, Android, and Amazon Fire TV as well. So there you go, taking care of that business. And again, want to thank all of you who have uh, have donated to the show. Uh, we have sent out a couple of links, including today, on how you can do so. Um, we will send out more in the future as well, et cetera, et cetera. Now, tonight in the past, what we've normally done is had coaches on the show to talk about either where they stand with conference tournament games that are taking place currently or will be taking place this weekend. Maybe it's somebody who's already got a, a, is a threat of a bubble, like we easily could have talked to Middlebury men tonight with Jeff Brown. I decided to save myself a little bit of hassle because trying to schedule some of that, especially when you're waiting for Wednesday's show to come to a close or Wednesday's games, Tuesday or Wednesday's games to come to a close, uh, it's too much of a headache. So we decided the other thing, too, is we normally have the committee chairs on Sunday's show before we actually do our selections. Well, to be blunt, 
it didn't make much sense to do that because we give so little time for people to digest what committee chairs are saying. We're not talking to them on Sunday. We're, we're either pre-recording on Saturday or even Friday ahead of that Sunday show due to their schedules. So it just made sense. We'll talk to them tonight. So tonight you will hear from Karen Harvey and Sam Atkinson, the women's and men's committee chairs. Forgive me. I have a little running nose tonight. Um, we'll, we'll hear from both of them. Unfortunately, pre-taped because of their schedules. Uh, Karen Harvey's team, Montclair State, is in the NJAC championship game tomorrow night, so she's busy with her team tonight. And Sam Atkinson is just busy, darn it. Um, and so we, we already have talked to them. Some of you sent us questions, and we, and we asked most of those questions. We talked to both of them uh, tonight, give you a sense. Not too in-depth, I think well-rounded. I think it gives everybody some good information. It doesn't answer everything. But to be honest, we'll do our best. We also have texted with each of them if, in case we do have other questions that come up that we want to get answered, and we'll tackle that accordingly. Also tonight, and we'll actually start with this in a little bit's time, we will talk to Capital Women's Basketball Coach um, Dixie Jeffers. Unfortunately, her team uh, unceremoniously exited from the conference tournament, which brings their season to a close I think they finished about 500 uh, overall. They lost uh, in the conference tournament in the OAC, so they're done, but she's still busy. We will talk to her primarily about the Beyond Sports WBCA uh, second annual Division Three All-Star Game coming up. Capital is the host this year of the Championship Weekend in Women's Basketball, so we will talk to her about all of that, yeah, a little bit about the championship experience, but especially about the All-Star Game since they're going into the second year of doing that. So we talked to Dixie Jeffers in essentially our last WBCA center court segment of the season. I will say this now, and I'll say it later as well. If you have any ideas for the WBCA center court for next season, we will certainly be interested, but we'll learn more about that as we go down the road. So there you go. Uh, those are our guests. We'll be answering your questions. By the way, all three are pre-taped due to their schedules. Um, but we will be answering your questions. I will be introducing those segments live so we'll have a chance to to um, answer questions maybe around those segments. It, if some of you know me in the past, I tend to when I pre-record, I'll do I'll do the whole segment pre-recorded. Uh, but tonight, uh, each segment will be introduced and tagged live. So you'll we'll we'll still have a chance to kind of chat and such. Uh, why is the broadcast game of the Marymount game? Oh, I'm tagged on something apparently. Uh, Atlantic East, Marymount, I, I don't know. I, I can't speak. We, there are some delays tonight. There's some fascinating delays tonight. First off, the two semifinals in the GNAC are both delayed in men's basketball because two of the teams traveling are stuck on I-84 due to a bad accident on I-84. Um, so those two semifinals in the GNAC on men, in men's basketball are currently on hold. I don't know. I didn't see. I, I got to double check what time they indicated they might be playing them. To be blunt, I can't remember. Give me a second. I'm checking my Twitter feeds here. Um, well, St. Joe's is hosting one of them. I think Albertus Magnus is the other, correct? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, that's what I think it is. Um, anyway, um, but apparently, serious crash on I-84. Um, it doesn't involve either team. We should point that out. But that is the problem for that. Then, um, what was the other one? The other one was oh, Albertus Magnus, uh, yeah, hosting LaSalle. That's what it was. And uh, St. Joe's is hosting Anna Maria. Sorry, St. Joe's, Anna, that's, those, those are the two GNAC games. Um, the other one, hold on, I'm trying to find it. Here it is. Purchase men's basketball. 
had had a skyline semifinal game tonight that has been postponed. You're not going to believe this one. I got word that a contractor was working in or around the building of purchase of the purchase athletics building and apparently struck a electric conduit or something underneath the building or underneath the concrete knocking out power to who knows i don't know personally how how much uh if the information i said was parts of the building i don't know how big the building truly is and what was knocked out or not they have to move that semifinal to mount saint vincent in brooklyn so that's so purchase who's a host is now having to play at mount saint vincent this game um, we'll keep an eye on that in the Skyline Conference. You feel bad for him, to say the least. Uh, so that plus everything else going on tonight, there's a number of men's and women's games. I think what, it was a 16 conference games on the women's side, maybe more on the men's. Um, Double checking a, a tweet Pat had sent out earlier today. 16 men's conference tournaments taking to the floor tonight and 14 Division Three women's conferences taking to the floor. Um so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And we will keep track of games and scores and all of that throughout the night if we start to see some upsets that might be brewing. Mary Harden Baylor, for example, the 17th-ranked team in the women's basketball already threw easily over Bellhaven 98-55 to avoid an upset. Um, Emory and Henry just barely got past Lynchburg in women's basketball action in the ODAC. Emory and Henry, the number one seed. Uh, da, 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 da. East Texas Baptist got pa past Howard Payne, 75-58. That's a good win. Randolph-Macon actually might be the number one in the ODAC in women's basketball. They got past Shenandoah, 75-48. And Worcester, uh, Worcester State beat Westfield State. That is an upset, 90-75. Uh, but that doesn't really have any shakedown on the pool C's. In men's basketball action, games have already finished um, East Texas Baptist passed Concordia, Texas, 80 to 76. That's good for the ASC. Texas Dallas passed Harden Simmons, 77 61. That's also good for the ASC. Um, Letourneau and Mary Harden Baylor are underway, and I got a score. Uh, Letourneau, 72. Mary Harden Baylor, 63, with 753 left in the second. Mary Harden Baylor, just a rough season. Higher expectations, to say the least, but Letourneau's at least keeping themselves in the mix um, as well. And, of course, regional rankings came out this week. They came out on the men's side on Tuesday, on the women's side on Wednesday, as they normally would. The men kind of testing out, basically, a, um, a uh, different way of doing it. You know, I was thinking about this. They, they, they do everything with a Tuesday meeting for RACs, a Wednesday meeting for the National Committee, put out the rankings on Wednesday. You know, back in the day when they probably had to fax results and information to RACs, that made the most sense because you had to spend Monday making sure everybody got their information ahead of a Tuesday meeting. Now with technology, we could easily do these on Monday. So I, I kind of dug that the men's committee got its rankings out on Tuesday as a test, basically. They basically tested that that uh, premise. Um Quickly checking in with Sam about how all that, how that all worked. Um, he said doing er doing it early was great. Good reviews and feedback from coaches about being early. Of course, out before conference games on Tuesday night. Uh, there's a chance that maybe considering their test and maybe some others that that we will see regional rankings across the board, not just in basketball, but just in my theory across the board in Division Three might be moving to Tuesdays. Of course, might just be uh, basketball, but just a gut feeling uh, that that I think we will see that moving 
eventually over time. It makes sense. I mean, technology now allows them to have the meeting on Monday with the racks, and then Tuesday you can you can get done with the uh, the national call, get the rankings out on Tuesday, so that games that have started up as early as Tuesday um, seem to make more sense with the regional rankings. Versus, you know, one thought was, listen, we put out these regional rankings on Wednesday, and there's teams already in those rankings that lost on Tuesday, or put them out on Wednesday. The teams already lost on Tuesday. And, you know, provide some confusion, as it were. So it makes sense. Um, and we'll see how it all plays out. Mondays tend to be pretty quiet, tend to be. As far as the rankings, I think, you know, I'm not overly shocked. I think they're, the rankings are what we expected them to be. There are reasons certain teams are ranked in certain spots. Um, I think it's it's certainly fascinating to look at some of these things, the men and women Especially, by the way, unfortunately, Turner botched the men's rankings on Tuesday. Um, somebody in Atlanta wasn't paying attention. Best I understand it, they, uh, they, I know they updated the Atlanta, Atlantic region rankings, and then they didn't update anybody else's. They updated records, possibly, but they didn't re- update teams and locations of those teams in the rankings and then released them. And it took about an hour to get that fixed, 45 minutes to an hour to get that fixed. Um, unfortunate. Uh, but it is resolved, uh, and they did take care of it. Interestingly enough, uh, I think it was the East and the, and the Mid-Atlantic, no changes to the rankings. Um, now, I did talk to some people um, in the racks just to kind of gauge opinions on how things are going, and one, prim- one thing I did get out of the men's side, I didn't get as much info out of the women's side, but the one thing that came out of the men's side, which was a little disappointing to hear, was that apparently some coaches – um, were jockeying other teams, especially in their own conferences. And, and I wouldn't say this was a lot, but it was enough to be a concern in a couple of regions. I heard this in a couple of regions. Um, jockeying teams in their regions to position them in the regional rankings, knowing that week three's regional rankings will have an effect on the results versus regionally ranked opponents. Remember, week three and the final rankings – have essentially two weeks' worth of results versus regionally ranked opponents. To remind you, week three's results versus regionally ranked opponent data comes from week two. The final ranking will come from week three. Once the rack is done with that and once the national committee has is, is adjusted that final ranking, they retabulate the results versus regionally ranked opponents information, and the national committee will make any further tweaks that they deem necessary to finalize those rankings. So there's essentially two final rankings. There's a final one and a finale, as I call it. And, and that accumulates results versus regionally ranked opponents from both. You'll see two weeks worth. They will not, they will not get rid of weeks three to punish somebody because a team happened to have a great tournament and slid in or somebody stumbled and slid out at the very last moment. Anyway, knowing that information, I've learned that there were some coaches on the racks I I'm not going to name names, even if I knew who they were, who positioned other, who, who basically voted to have other teams in their conference some, make their way into the regional rankings. The idea being, well, I mean, listen, they played them twice, most likely, right? Or maybe maybe once, but let, let's say twice in a, in a conference. And maybe they beat them twice. They have the head-to-head, et cetera. That can bolster Team A's resume if they make sure Team B is in there. 
So I did get wind that that had started to happen, and everything I've gathered was up until that point that had not been there, but it seemed like maybe some coaches' um, alternative motives were in play in a few areas. Uh, I do know that that was at least handled, and some rankings were adjusted accordingly, but it's disappointing to hear that 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 some coaches decided, hey, here's a way I can bolster my resume. I make sure this other team gets into the rankings. And I'm being careful because I don't want to share too much information. It may give away some, some, some key things. But um, basically, eliminating another team who probably deserves it, or doesn't probably deserve it, does deserve it more. In one case I heard absolutely deserved it more eliminated that team, didn't vote for that one, to vote for this other team just to help bolster the other resume. Now, I say this on air, and if coaches who hear this spread the word, so be it. I think it's going to be let as a one-off, understandable, we'll handle it in the off-season type thing, unless it happens again this weekend. If it happens again this weekend... I think the national committee might take a little bit of a different opinion on the, on things may get a little bit more or may get quicker in their conversations with people. I get, listen, I, I am a very unbiased person. People might find this surprising, but my work in media from being not only on a scores table in college, working for sports information and being a public address announcer, et cetera, but then working in media, in television, especially I have become very unbiased. I was talking to somebody recently about the fact that it's almost too bad. I've lost my fanhood. Um, there's one team I've had a childhood fan, fanhood from that I don't think I'll ever lose. But I can't really go to a game a lot and cheer. I, I will. You'll see me at games and cheering. But it, it's not nearly like everybody around me because I've become so unbiased. So I can understand going into something and being unbiased and looking at things and you know, even wiping a team's name off as we've recommended. But I can do the work without having any bias. I, I jokingly said to somebody else recently, I could probably call my alma mater in a national championship game and you wouldn't know that's the difference because I'm just so immune to it. I'm, I'm numb to it to some degree. Anyway, long story short, because my broadcasting career continues. I still broadcast events. I get excited. Sometimes I think I get excited too much for the visiting team. Anyway, my bigger point is, I, I have to appreciate that these coaches are the blood, sweat, and tears for their program. And as a result, blood, sweat, and tears for their conference. And I get that it can possibly be difficult to disconnect completely, be as unbiased as you possibly can be. And maybe some of those decisions this week were simply slip-ups of that passion late in the season when, man, everything counts at this point. I get it. I'm not trying to make an excuse for them, but I can appreciate that that may be in play. That said, you're on racks for a reason, and you should show that unbiasedness, if at all possible. I hats off to Josh Merkel, who's on this show Sunday, who said flat out, Randolph Macon's been number two in the regional rankings, and I've been voting him that way, putting Emory ahead of him. I, I applaud that. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent too much, but 
I heard that. I was disappointed in that. Hopefully it doesn't continue moving forward, though that's also why you have a national committee to kind of balance things off. So anyway, the, I think the rankings are pretty solid. A reminder, Sunday, seven, 6 o'clock Eastern, we will start getting going with our selection show. We will actually start the selections not right at 6. We'll start them about an hour in. We'll, we'll do some interviews and chat about what has happened up until that point uh, prior to getting going with the job. Um, and, and we will hopefully, I mean, we'll try and glean some of the information of who might be regionally ranked out there to do our darndest uh, down the way as well. Um, yeah, Chad confirming with me. Thank you, Chad, that Albertus hosts LaSalle. Jack says, what are some conferences you think surprisingly get more than one bid? Surprisingly? I guess you're talking at large. The only way you could have surprisingly more than one bid in a in a conference that, that well, yeah, let me phrase that. One way to be surprised that a conference gets more than one bid is when somebody knocks off the favorite who's going to be a lock. Um, I'm trying to think of some conferences off the top of my head where that might be. In, I mean, for example, you can't say that in John's. Well, for example, if the Centennial got three teams in, and I want to look in the Mid-Atlantic, Muhlenberg's sitting seven. Yeah, and, and there's, well, Widener and Drew lost on, on last night, which puts Muhlenberg in play maybe to move up. But, for example, if the Centennial Conference got a third team in, as an at-large, I think that's going to be a big surprise. If they got a third team in because that team knocked off Johns Hopkins and or Swarthmore and won the AQ and both Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins lost, and they're probably locks to get in as, as pool C bids, is that a surprise? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a bubble burster. It's a surprise in the sense that somebody on the bubble just lost that bubble because Hopkins and Swarthmore are in, but it's not really a surprise in that sense. In terms of at-large bids, flat out, a surprise more than one. Probably the ARC would be a surprise. Uh, the Northwest Conference would absolutely be a surprise if they got two at-large bids. The SCIAC would be a surprise. Um, I'm trying to be somewhat realistic, too, because technically, I mean, if the NAAC got two at-large bids, it would be a huge shock, right? If they got any at-large bids, it would be a shock. Um, oh, boy, this one, that this is tough. Uh, it might be surprising if the Liberty League gets both teams in. RPI and Hobart are two and three, but one of them is going to take a loss. RPI could get in. I don't know if Hobart can. They might. They might. That might be a slight surprise if both get out large bids, if it came down to that. Or if RPI won it all, that Hobart got the at-large bid. But if Hobart lost to RPI in the championship game, it's certainly more plausible. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I think it would be a surprise if the NJAC had two teams in it this year. I think it will be a surprise if the... Um, Mac Freedom, but then, then now we're getting into the real craziness type stuff there, Jack. But I hope that gives you a sense of where I'm thinking, at least on the men's side. Um, tracking our email because I forgot to have that up, but no one's emailed us. Again, it's hoopsville at d3sports.com. It's scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Hoopsville at d3sports.com. Just seeing 
Um, Albertus Magnus versus LaSalle will now tip off at 9 p.m. Um, it looks like LEC women's basketball is delayed as well. Eastern Connecticut and UMass um, Boston has been now rescheduled for tomorrow. Um, I'm assuming because I, I bet UMass Boston can't get to Eastern Connecticut. I am guessing, I have not looked this accident up, but I am going to guess that this this accident is on I-84 in the, uh, in the southbound or westbound lanes. Maybe both. We'll look it up maybe during a break. But um, we're keeping an eye on that. So an accident has already caused some headaches in uh, Division Three. And by the way, this is why Sunday isn't always the best day to have conference championship games. Uh, you might hear that later in the show as well. Uh, keeping an eye on other games out there. We'll keep an eye for upsets. For example, we're late in the fourth quarter. Endicott in women's basketball trying to upset Roger Williams. Uh, Guilford trying to knock off WNL in women's basketball. Less than two minutes left in that one. It's a six-point lead for Guilford. Uh, Regis has got a lead starting the second half against St. Joe's of Maine. 39-33. That would be an upset. So we'll keep an eye on those things. Men's basketball, so far, I don't see anything jumping out at me as being huge. Well, Gordon's got a lead on Nichols, but we're still early in the first half, or at least in the first half. Marymount's up on Gwen and Mercy in men's basketball. Technically, that would be an upset, but we're halfway through the first half. So there you go. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will get our interviews going. We'll start with talking about what's down the road, the women's all-star game will be held at Capitol for the second year in a row. The, Ca the All-Star Game will take place, first time at Capitol. Dixie Jeffers, the women's basketball coach at Capitol, will talk about that and so much more in the WBCA center court, what's driving everything, and most importantly, what she's expecting from the championship weekend. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you do have questions, send them our way via Twitter, Facebook, um, we're streaming on YouTube or email them as well. We will do our best to answer them throughout the show. Back with more after this. has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. 
or the love of the game. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Thursday evening, keeping track of scores around Division Three. Uh, and trying to answer your questions when we have them as well. If you got questions, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on, um, on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also simulcasting on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Keep a track of those scores and your questions as we continue. happen to be wearing my men's all-star um, polo from last year's Reese's NABC All-Star Game. It's tremendous. We'll be back in Fort Wayne with that. The women, in the meantime, are heading to year number two with their tournament. It'll be the first time or the first time Capital is hosting it. Not the first time, certainly, the tournament is taking place. Salem got the All-Star Game, um, uh, let's say, off the ground, as it were, last year. But Dixie Jeffers, the head coach at Capital, is convinced that she's going to make it even better, if that's even possible. But, of course, it's possible. It's Dixie Jeffers. Of course, it's sponsored by Beyond Sports and the WBCA. We talked to her um, yesterday, I should say. We talked to her yesterday about the event, about the Final Four Championship Weekend in Capital, and so much more in what will be our season finale of the WBCA Center Court. Now joining me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the coach of Capital and, of course, 
They're hosting the championships, and she's busy, whether she wants to be or not. Dixie Jeffers joins us. Coach, as always, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm excited to discuss the Final Four and the All-Star Game with you today. I am sure. We won't dwell on the season just yet. We may be covering that later, but I at least appreciate that you've got another project to keep you distracted right now. Uh, Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I've been working on this project since last March, so it's uh it's been a lot of fun it's a lot of work but what the dividends are are huge sure yeah and let me first and foremost let's get this out of the way you guys at capital in some ways have become kind of a bit of a hosting school the tbt has come through your neck of the woods almost every year if if memory serves or at least certainly recently um we've we've been here before if memory serves for the for the women's championship or we you had the semifinals a year we went to indianapolis for the championship is what really happened Uh, you guys are certainly synonymous with this but i get the sense every time i talk to you that one you're always trying to better yourselves and two you it it, you almost want to treat it like it's new so that you don't kind of rest on your laurels you know that's so true because i think it's about giving a, a product of people that come through your institution in your city. And we're very blessed that the um, Columbus Sports Commission is in this project with us. And we're partners, and our goal is to host all three divisions here. And we've been able to do that, and we're going to try to repeat that feat again. And just to be able to think about and see these young women's faces is what's so much joy for me. Yeah, we should point out again, 2016 is when you guys in the Greater Columbus Sports Commission hosted the semifinals. And I remember when we talked ahead of that, you guys were like, yeah, it might only be two games. But we're going to we're going to treat these gals like they're royalty to some degree. We're going to have, you know, police escorts and, and, and just as if the championship was going to be there. I suspect with the championship and all-star game now officially there, you guys are definitely taking it to the next level. We're taking it to the next level and we're so excited and Salem did a great job last year, and we said, hey, we're going to top Salem because <laughs> we, we, we are, and we're just going to do it because that's what we want to do, and, and it's about the student-athletes and the experience and so forth, and we've been blessed to be able to, to host some major events with the TBT coming through here the last couple of years, and, and my whole goal was to, to see John Muker look at me and say, I knocked it out of the park, and he did, so that was my satisfaction. He's one of the toughest clients I've ever had to deal with. And um, he's a perfectionist. Sure. He's helped me up my game. And and just, you know, we're so excited about being able to to host here in a few weeks. And and it's what's challenging for me is I didn't just have to do one event. I had to prepare for two events. Sure. And that's been a challenge. When I mean, I love how you say you're going to top Salem because uh, Salem's probably going to turn around and say, well, we're going to top them next year. And it just makes I hope so. I I, hope so. no, because it only makes for a better environment and a better experience for both. We've always talked about the Salem experience on the men's side. And obviously we're at Fort Wayne now, but it's it for me, it's re, it's refreshing to hear another location be just as exuberant about this and to give the women's side of things the best of the best that they can. And, and that's. And I know from you, that's what you want. So you certainly have an advocate on site, as it were, for yourself. But for me, that's what the whole point is, right? We're supposed to give these four teams, at the very least in the All-Stars, the best experience possible. Correct. And when I, when I went in and ventured into this in 2016, because I was on the National Committee, and I approached the NCAA and I said, hey, let us bid for this. I'm telling you, there's some changes I want to make. I think we can make some good things. We bid for it, and I think Transylvania bid for it, and we ended up 
getting it awarded to us. And my whole focus was, was change the Division Three Final Four to make it better for these student-athletes, to make it replicate the Division One. And we were able to do that with the police escorts, the, the lavish banquets, the things that we threw at the committee and so forth as far as gifts and everything like that. And it helped because they turned around and they changed the format. So check the box, mission accomplished, and we're still trying to change things and make things even better moving forward. When you uh... – I, I should not be presumptuous, but I know the bids have already been submitted, as it were, for the next four years, and then that's two years away. Um, I assume this is not going to be a one-off for you guys. You're trying to, to do this as often as you can. We bid for it, I and mean, we also are going to host uh, the, uh, the Elite Eight for volleyball in November. Wow. So it, it's something that the city wants to keep going, and we're, we're a great location because of where we're located and so forth, and we got a knack for doing it, and we partner really well. And yeah, it is crazy, isn't it? I'm crazy for doing this, <laughs> but uh, it, it's something that that's going to be very beneficial um, nationally for us and for the student athletes. But to some degree, and that's what Salem, why Salem works so well. The school and the city partner so well, or in Salem's case, the conference, and and that's what works. If one of those partnerships isn't working, the whole thing's going to fail. Yeah, and if you've ever met Linda Logan who is the, the, the big dog of Columbus. I mean, everybody knows Linda Logan, and what she did for the Division One Women's Final Four here was just incredible. And so it's hard to tell Linda no. And when Linda comes saying, hey, I need you, you pretty much get on board and say, let's go. <laughs> I think I've heard you say that before. Uh, it's true. I, I should point out, too, though, that's the other great thing about this, is they have done the D1 version of this, and it doesn't matter that this is D3. They want to do it just as big and just as, as exciting. Now, women's basketball, I feel, is a little bit tighter knit in that sense. And so it works wonderfully for that. But is there anything coming into this year's that you guys are expecting to do differently or better or that you really want to tout, as it were? I'll tell you what's different is bringing the All-Star along with it. I mean, we're in our second year of it. And... I don't know if you know this, Dave, but we literally put this thing together last year on the phone. Yeah. And so we were kind of walking into this blind and, and making things and doing things on the phone. And we all got on planes, and I'm on the, on the committee for the All-Stars, and we fly into Salem. And we walk in, we go, oh, okay. And immediately we said, this is awesome, but this is what we want to change moving forward. This sure. is what we're going to do. And we've, we're going to integrate the All-Stars with the Final Four participants even more so this year than hmm. we did a year ago, where they'll all be at the same banquet together, which is really awesome. Yeah. Is there any other uh, integrations that, that are going to come with that, or is it just about making sure that those seniors get to experience what these teams are doing especially? Well, we're also going to house them in the same hotel, and you know we'll recognize the All-Americans for the first time ever in the same room. Oh, cool. It's going to be really cool, too. And um, just including them in the, the zoo experience, they're going to be included in the pre-social and everything there. That's all different this year than what it was uh, uh, last year. So we're trying to integrate. We still still recognize that the Final Four is the main event. Mm -hmm. So we're giving the seniors as much of the experience as we can. Sure. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the All-Star uh, experience. What else did you guys learn from it last year? Not just the integration, but how you guys picked, how you guys had them split up, whatever the case may be. What did you learn from that 
that worked. And what did you learn from that that you still want to tweak? I'll, I'll tell you what. We were extremely proud with what we pulled off. Uh, and, you know, the fact that we kind of got this thing thrown at us and the WBCA and Beyond Sports was gracious enough among, among BSN and other sponsors to come on to help us. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to make this thing run as smoothly as we could run. We needed to make sure our marketing area was better. I think we're going to do a better job this year. I know we're doing a better job. I think the committee has their own responsibilities this time. And we kind of went on the fly saying, hey, Dick, take this. Hey, you know, Jill, take this. You know, This year we're, a little, we're more organized. Ever since we've gotten back in March, we have been on a phone call once a month. And, and tweak, tweaking this and, and doing things. And I just sent the itinerary yesterday, and we were on the phone yesterday. Everybody's signing off on the itinerary of what we have prepared for the All-Star game here. I think we've gotten smarter on apparel on how quickly we need to do that. I think we've gotten a lot smarter on our timing of going on. So the All-Americans will be picked Monday. So come Monday night, we're going to be able to view those All-Americans and start to dwindle down and start to to pick and, and, and guess what's going to happen here and then project from that. I, I hate to ask the devil's advocate question, but forgive me anyway. Do you do you worry that you make some selections and there's going to be some players who peak at the end of these seasons that may have gotten your attention um, pri- if you had had it a little bit later, or is it worth the risk to have your ducks in a row sooner? Well, we have to have our ducks in a row sooner because we have to fly a lot of these kids in. Yeah. And so we have to be very prepared, and we may have some seniors that don't make the Final Four. Obviously, if they're going to play in this, they're not going to make the Final Four. Right. It turns us down. So yeah. we really have to be prepared to be able to move in different directions. And I think the committee does an incredible job. And every region is represented on this committee. So in our particular region, there's two of us. So it helps that, you know, Brian's up north and I'm down this way and mm-hmm. we can address kids. So every committee member is responsible for knowing those candidates that we can speak to them in a fair manner. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious how many, I mean, being a first year, I could see a lot of seniors probably weren't really ready for an all-star game and maybe made plans. Uh, some programs certainly know they probably aren't going to be playing. Right for- I'm, yeah, they're going spring break. Exactly. Uh, I'm curious how many did turn you guys down, and was it expected, or did you get more turn, you know, more yeses than than maybe you expected? We got very few turned down. We got more yeses, and the kids were incredibly excited because if you're in your region, you got to call the head coach to say, "Coach, this is what's going down," and it was just awesome. And then to see the experience that these kids had. Um, opened up our eyes a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, we put together a panel down in Salem that turned out to be almost a two-hour session of, of Q and A. Hmm. After the, 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 the like, we had um, an official there. Uh, Brian Morehouse was on there. Beyond Sports was on there, and then we had Danielle Donahue on there. The kids at D three don't get that type of experience like Division one does. Yeah. So we pre- that's kind of a thing that Columbus does. So we implemented it down there knowing that Columbus was going to do it here. And um, it worked incredibly well and opened a lot of these kids' minds. And they even, you know, were going after learning how to network and so forth through this panel. Uh, and that's one of the things we're going to try to do this year. On this, We're going to present the same panel 
And we're going to basically teach the kids and talk to the kids about networking and how to sell themselves because D3 oh. doesn't get a lot of that. No, I agree. That's awesome. Uh, I do know that I, I think I know when I went into the men's all-star game the first time, I was trepidatious. Third place game hadn't been great, but it wasn't horrible. It sometimes depended on the teams that were playing. I know when I saw the women's Final Four in Holland, I think a lot of us were happy it was Amherst versus versus uh, Williams because we knew that at some point the rivalry would take over in the middle of that third place game. And, and it did. And it did. <laughs> oh, it most certainly did, uh, which was awesome. Um, but I also know you guys weren't thrilled with that. Did you have trepidation or did anybody have trepidation going into this one? I, I, I'll follow that up after you're done. But I'm curious, was anybody nervous that maybe this thing just wouldn't work? I know because when I was on the national committee, this started and then I was towards my end of my tenure with that. And they asked uh, Kelly Thompson and myself, you guys need to take this forward. We need to do this. We need to do this. It's the times right now. And we said, yeah, but how are we going to take the time to find the sponsors and so forth? And Pat Manning went ahead and said, I'm going to take this by the, the, the horns here and started moving. And we all started getting in there and, Brian Morehouse found Beyond Sports, and the WBCA said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back this. Let's try this. You know, Let's see if we can find a sponsor after three years. We've been so creative in how we've kept expenses down and been able to do this. It's mind-boggling. And it, I think it's kind of surprised us in that manner, but never did we think this was going to fail. We just wasn't sure how to make it look. Mm-hmm. And it turned out pretty good in Salem. And then we said, okay, we're going to tweak some other things, and this is going to get even better. And I'll tell you, the Sports Commission has been very gracious to the All-Stars, where they didn't need to be, mm-hmm. but they've been very gracious in welcoming the All-Stars here and being a huge factor in making a better experience. Is Linda in your office threatening you? You're, you're awfully no. kind to the commission. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? They just make things happen, and no, everything's done first class, and I, I have a, a ton of respect for them. No, I get it. I'm just having some, some fun. I, I, and, that's and okay. As I said earlier, that's what makes these things work so well uh, when yeah. they're done well. Um, obviously, heading into the second year, Beyond Sports still the sponsor. Um, I, with my WBCA. Fu- with, right, correction. We're the WBCA, correct. It's, it's just like in the men's, it's the NABC with yeah. Reese's. Yeah, um, yeah. I should point out, by the way, the trepidation last year, I think that some had walked away thrilled. Uh, it, it, you, you, it's funny how the seniors, while it's an exhibition game, at some point that competitive drive still kicks in. Yes, it did. And a lot of those kids had so much personality, which <laughs> made it even more fun. Yes. And I know if you talk to some of them down there, which I know you guys did, there are some, of the, there are some characters with huge personalities, and you're just sitting back in awe going, wow, that kid is going to be so successful in whatever they do. Yeah, yeah. Gordon came out of that just beaming, I think. I don't know if I'm yeah. saying it wrong for him or not, but he, he certainly was beaming. Uh, the whole weekend, again, obviously the All-Stars, you'll have to adjust with teams coming in. I assume you have – do you have backup lists? How How are you – at what point is the cutoff line for you guys as to what seniors who are in the tournament will be selected? I tell you, we, we really watch hard as the tournament's moving through. So we'll go on, and we have about uh, 78 kids in the pool right now. Okay. So we'll start to watch this tournament break down. So we pretty much know what kids are going to be heading to the Final Four, and then we're moving on this. And we'll have a, a nice list put together that we'll address and start to talk about soon. 
uh, very soon, like next week. Mm -hmm. And we'll start to talk about them and we'll start to dwindle down. And then we'll say, hey, we feel pretty good about this. Now, obviously, some kids' feelings got hurt last year and some coaches' got feelings got hurt and some phone calls were being made. I mean, it's not a perfect system. It's never going to be perfect. And we may miss one or two kids, but we felt really good about the representation last year and felt really good about our body of work. Well, and also to be fair, you can't get everybody there. No, sir, we cannot. And, and it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of talented kids out there and somebody's going to get left home. Sure. sure. Yeah, unfortunately. How, how many? I forgot the size of the rosters. Can you remind us how many are actually on the teams? Ten and ten. We, ten and ten. We take twenty all stars. Yep. Okay. That sounded familiar. Um, I know it's we're past the deadline for this year, but can we remind everybody, starting with the fact you need to be a WBCA member, what the timing is to make sure that their seniors in the future are in the pool? Well, it's like today. Actually, today concludes the All American vote. So they needed to be submitted, you know, early January, and then we start voting in, in December as coaches. And then from there, we look at the seniors that are in the pool that have, have been put up for All-American selections, and then we start to investigate and, and come through. So uh, if, if they're in in January, um, we're looking at everything mid, mid-February, and we're moving on. Okay. I just want to give people the idea down the road, uh, if they've got seniors, what this timing is. And again, you have to be a WBCA member. People don't understand that on both All-Star games, there's that little quirk. And sometimes there are coaches who are not part of these organizations. Uh, I just want to put that put that out there. Um, Which is baffling to me, and I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because you're doing your kids a disservice if you're not a, a member. Because you, you have no voting rights and you, you don't have any of the extra... Um, gratuities that go with this of being a member of being able to represent your kids in the right manner You're better said for you from you than from me um back to the whole weekend obviously we talked about the welcome dinner and reception that you guys will have and and everything there i do know the note is we will roll the red carpet out can you give everybody an idea of what that will experience will be like yeah from the final four perspective the teams start coming in on on wednesday so they're going to be at the airport Marriott and we'll welcome them that evening with a, a huge hors d'oeuvre bar. And then there's going to be games and movies and everything within the hotel. And so they're going to have that kind of relaxation and the, the ability to mingle with one another and just get their feet on the ground and settled. And then come Thursday, they're, they're going to go to the practices and then we're going to have community day where we bring special Olympics in and the kids work with them and, and clinic-like and have sessions with them. And then Thursday evening, everybody will come together into the banquet at the airport Marriott. And we're going to bring the zoo, the Columbus Zoo, in when they'll bring in animals. And everybody's going to be able to, to, you know, pet the animals, take pictures with the animals and have that experience and so forth. And then just a great banquet. And then from there, let the games begin. And they're going to have police escort to the gymnasium. And we'll also escort the all-stars and so forth and just do it up as much as we can do it up and just give these kids a first-class experience. There's going to be extra amenities for them as far as takeaway stuff and gifts and stuff like that, and it's just going to be a great week. If memory serves, Columbus Zoo is kind of one of the more respected zoos in the country, is it not? It's 
top two. It, uh, we yeah. go back and forth. Columbus is going to tell you we're number one. San Diego is going to tell <laughs> yeah. you they are. So they're both pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I kind of remembered that from from just general knowledge. Uh, and then obviously the semifinals will take place on Friday. The All Star Game and Championship on Saturday. All the games will be streamed online as they always are on NCAA.com. Let me ask you a little bugaboo, and I'm I'm sure this will probably needle a little bit. Men are getting the CBS Sports Network treatment ever since 2013 when we went to Atlanta. CBS kind of woke back up and realized this game needs to be on the big TV. How important would it be for Division Three to get this game on, say, ESPN, since they're doing the women's Final Four? I think it would be incredibly important. And I think what we're doing now as a whole, um, how we're handling these Final Four experiences and how everybody's getting involved, it's just a matter of time, but wouldn't that be super cool? And I look forward to, to being able to sit here. I'm at most of them, but mm-hmm. I, to be able to sit in front of my TV and see this would be an awesome day. Sure. Uh, in a couple of years, the women will get the same thing we're going through with the men here, the repeat of Indianapolis, essentially. And I was at Indianapolis. What a great experience. I think the women have the advantage that it's all in the same building. Um, yes, smaller crowds go to the D1 Women's Final Four in terms of the championship that's why we're at these big, ginormous stadiums for men. But I thought the experience was pretty darn cool at the women's side because we're all, again, in the same building. That will happen in a couple of years. Has there been talk of doing what the men do and then shifting the schedule to allow the Elite Eight and Final Four to be at one site? You know, I have not heard any talk of that as of yet. Um, we're, you know, The experience in Indianapolis was incredible. And uh, a lot, a lot of hard work went into that, but a lot of huge benefits. So I'm looking forward to everybody going down to Dallas, and it's going to be a great experience down there. Um, I hope there would be some talk of that, but I doubt it if that actually materializes because of everything, the amount of money that would have to go into that and the amount of money to put three divisions at one site, I don't think we'll do it. Well, I mean is in the men's side where we have the Elite Eight of Division Three and the Final Four all at Fort Wayne with the yeah. All-Star Game, and then the championship is going to Atlanta. I mean doing that on the Division Three side. I don't know if they'll do that. Okay. I really don't. I think they like the, the personalization of this whole thing, and I, I can't – there has been no talk that I know okay. of of heading that route. Just curious. Um, certainly it's a bridge, a good thought, bridge we can cross later. We don't certainly have to do it now. Uh, I, I know there's other things that will happen that will be fun for the crowds on hand, but you want to give everybody kind of the, the pitch on why they should attend this, if even if their team isn't involved? Even if their team's not involved, it is, it is very good, good basketball. And you get a, you know, it's a smaller venue, so you get right close and personal. There will be some giveaways uh, at the doorway of, of driving people in and so forth, and we've got some special ticketing prices that are going to go out to family packs. And just, the atmosphere and to be able to appreciate the true student athlete what a great way to do it and it's high caliber basketball and then when you get to talk to some of these kids about the 4.0s and whether they're into pharmacy or they're going to law school or whatever they're doing they're remarkable people and they're our future and it's it's really cool to pay homage to them yeah i i know gordon is looking forward to being there again i think we're going to split crews a little bit but that's still to be decided uh, I look forward to getting back to one of these sometime in the future. Um, but I, I live vicariously through Gordon and you and others, and, and thus I feel sometimes like I am there. Um, so I appreciate the time to give us a sense of what all the fun will be. Before I let you go, not to step on a sore topic, but 
you guys unfortunately losing uh, in the first round of the conference tournament. Wrap up the season for us, if you could. I'll tell you what, it's been a roller coaster. Um, it's one that I'm not really have experienced too much in my career, thank goodness. But um, it's my ship, and I've got to ride the ship. I, I love my kids. They gave a great defensive effort last night. We just fell short, and, you know, you got to make free throws. I tell my kids when you go on the road, you got to play good defense, and you got to rebound, and you got to make free throws. And, unfortunately, we didn't make the free throws. And a lot of our season has been an up and down in that way, and it is what it is. Uh, it should have been better with the number of seniors that I had in my program, but you know what? I'm coming back for another one, and we're going to try to get better. I'm, I I can bet on that and to, to be sure, knowing you, Dixie, uh, <laughs> it, I, I almost pity your team in the offseason because I bet you're going to be on their case as much as you're well, allowed to be. Case after we lost last night, so you got that yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> you go. See, it started right away. <laughs> uh, wait, right, Dave? Right, exactly. Um, by the way, your disciple's doing pretty well, my alma mater. Um, thank you for letting her go, just for the record. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. She's quality people, and I think she's done an incredible job for Goucher. And uh, before we go, I just want to give our, our ticket pitch, okay? Oh, please, so go ahead. If people, if people are looking for tickets, if you go to athletics.capital.edu slash Final Four, you can get your tickets right online. And uh, we'd love to have people come in. It's going to be a great atmosphere. The last time we did this, we had a packed house. And I'm hoping that a, a couple teams in particular make it, because so we'll have another packed house. So, uh, I, I can that's guess the who. person in me. I can guess who. I can guess who. Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, some teams travel better than others. Let's just put it that way. Yes, they do. Yes, yes they, they do. do. Uh, well, thanks as always. As always, we do give the final shout out. Anything else you want to add to those who may be tuned in? Hey, thanks for all you guys do. Uh, D3 Hoops is awesome. Keep promoting women's basketball. It's helped making a difference. Keep uh, doing things like this because we're only going to get better. We're not going to go back. Uh, yes, you're right. It will only get better, and I will be fully endorsing that. And if it does go backwards, you know, I know you will throw a flag, but I will help you do so as well. Dixie, thanks. I appreciate everything. Absolutely. Thanks for the kind words. Thanks so much. Uh, have fun this, uh, this postseason with everything you're doing. Have fun with the championship weekend. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Dixie Jeffers joining us on the WBCA Center Court in the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate Dixie joining us on the show. By the way, you all got to experience my editing um, or or how I record things. It's a TV thing. If, I don't know, maybe even a radio thing where I do a countdown. I apparently didn't chop that off at the beginning. Oops. I think there was a mistake in that one too. But anyway, uh, at least I still keep it clean when I make mistakes. A um, couple quick updates. Uh, first off, uh, I think that the the All-Star game and championship experience would be terrific in Capital, and I know Salem folk are going to be paying attention and trying to one-up them the next year. From what I've gathered, I think Salem and um, Capital will be, I think Dixie did say that Capital or, or Columbus has put into bid for this for the future. I'm pretty sure Cap, uh, Salem's probably put in to bid for the women's uh, championship weekend again. I don't think I'd want to see it. If those two are the two that are in, I don't think I'd want to see it go all four years to one place, maybe two years and two years or alternating. I, I don't know if the alternating is the best idea or not. But uh, from what I've gathered, those two are probably the best at it for women's basketball. It'd be nice to find a, a decent home 
for that in women's basketball. In men's basketball, it's up in the air, folks. I'll just I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I don't know who's going to be hosting in the future, and I'll be fascinated to find out who bids or who has bid for it. Uh, the All-Star Game should be great. You heard from Dixie about how they put that together. I, they do yeoman's work, and um, looking forward to seeing who, who may get into that. Men's um, uh, All-Star Game, we may talk about that as soon as Sunday. I'm still debating when to get um, those involved on, on, um, on about that. But I did decide to wear their shirt today in homage of them. Uh, by the way, Dixie mentioned another thing. It would be nice if the Division Three Women's Championship got the same experience that the Men's Championship got. And I'm not talking about going to Atlanta or India. I mean, they're going to Dallas in a couple of years to play in American Airlines Arena. That will be another tremendous experience. But I'm talking about, listen, it's great that it's on NCAA.com. I have no complaints about that. Absolutely none. My problem is... If the men are going to be shown on CBS Sports Network, which does have a bit of a slight problem when it comes to streaming, then how about the women be on ESPN since ESPN does the women's championship weekend uh, or the women's Final Four? I Let's go. I, I don't even remember where Division Two is in the women's side, but they all should get the same experience, and I would hope somewhere down the road that happens. By the way, I had a call from someone today uh, that was confused with the men's um, championship structure this year so we'll repeat this and we'll repeat it often a reminder we are playing two rounds in the opening weekend we are playing the sweet 16 the second weekend will be split into two days we are playing the quarterfinals and the semifinals in fort wayne along with an all-star game then we wait two weeks and we have a championship april 4th in atlanta just a reminder as far as april 4th's broadcasting i am told cbs is doing it i don't know about it streamed yet let's just say it's being worked on i suspect so we'll cross that bridge. Appreciate Dixie coming on. I really want to thank the WBCA, Women's Basketball Coaches Association, for once again their support. It has been tremendous to have their support. Jeff, um, especially and his staff, giving us ideas. I've got some ideas to tweak it for next year. However, we're still going to be looking out for some excellent stories next season as well. And we look forward to hearing those stories down the road. We look forward to keeping our partnership with the WBCA going. Tremendous group. Really appreciate their help. Appreciate their efforts. We love covering Division Three, but we also especially love covering women's basketball. It is a fun brand. And uh, I'm glad that, that we get that chance with the WBCA. Take another break. When we come back, we will talk to our committee chairs. First one up will be Karen Harvey. She will talk about the women's basketball committee. Of course, she's a little bit busy as the Montclair State women's basketball team is uh is still in the NJAC championship but we'll talk to her about that by the way quick update the accident on i-84 unfortunately is deadly and it is westbound and is in the union area which is up near the massachusetts border which means there's very few options to get around it the women's tournaments as we mentioned um in that conference in the gnac have been postponed to tomorrow we saw a notice saying that albertus magnus would be playing uh, tomorrow in the or uh, tonight at nine o'clock in the men's semifinal, the other one, St. Joe. During that interview, I noticed posted an information that men's game between Anna Maria and St. Joe's men's basketball postponed to tomorrow as well. So we'll keep abreast of that. We'll get you some updates as we go along, and so on and so forth. All right, we take a break. When we come back, Karen Harvey joins us. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops will after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, 
hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
Sorry for the delay. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can e- um, email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. And you can always uh, join us on Facebook when we're simulcasting the show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And, of course, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. All right, so we've normally talked to the committee chairs on Sunday ahead of our selections, but we figured we'd give it a little bit more time this time around to give you a sense of what the committee is going to be doing themselves how it all works out, what they need to process, uh, how the selections work, what they're tackling, how the regional rankings have gone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Lots to talk about. So earlier today, I talked to Karen Harvey, the Women's National Committee Chair. She's a head coach of Montclair, who is 21 and 5 and 15 and 3 in the NJAC this season and playing in the NJAC title game. Talked to her earlier today about what the committee will be tackling this weekend, what challenges they've already faced, how the regional rankings have gone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I hope this gives everyone an opportunity and an understanding of what they're going to be doing, but also how they are attacking not only the selections, but also some of the bracketing questions. Talk to her again, as I mentioned earlier today. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the Women's Basketball Committee Chair and, of course, Head Coach at Montclair State. It is Karen Harvey. And as always, Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us, especially once again. No problem, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I know this is a busy time of year for you. It's not, you know, this weekend will be busy for you whether you like it or not, but your team's also doing well. I'll congratulate you guys at least on another tremendous season in the hunt in the NJAC. Yes, thanks so much. Yeah, we're looking forward to play a championship game tomorrow night against Rowan. No pressure, Coach. No pressure. No pressure. Um, nope. Yeah, I mean, but here's the other trick of this, and we'll get maybe a little bit more detail. If you guys are an at-large team, you might be sitting back having a drink and relaxing while everybody else does the work because you'll be off the call. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get the AQ, and you can participate. Um, all right, so I'm curious. We'll get to this weekend in a moment. I'm curious, how has everything gone up until this point? We've had three public rankings. You also had the chance of uh, a couple of mocks possibly to get everybody up and running on not only the rack, but obviously the national, though the national only had one new person on it, so it's kind of an old guard, as it were. How has it gone to this point? How is how is it things flowed, and have you had any hurdles you've had to, to tackle? No, I would say, and, and um, I, I would say things are going really well. And actually, we have four new members to our national oh, committee this year. I miss, yeah. I misremembered. I apologize. Yes, no, it's okay. Yeah, we brought back um, Chris Hoffman for an extra year. Right. Uh, we sort of begged her to stay because we had so many new people. Um, but we have uh, J.C. Brooks out of Cortland. Right. Marilyn Skarzynski out of Nichols. Mm. Uh, Michelle out of Whitman. Nate Davis out of Gettysburg. Um, so four, half of our committee is brand new, That's, but they yeah. are doing fantastic. I mean, I really think they hit the ground running. Um, we, our calls, you know, yesterday, Wednesday's call is always the, that third week call is always pretty long, like sure. two and a half hours. But I think, you know, we're, we're in a good place. We've been very, trying to be very consistent in what we're doing, um, not only within the region itself, but within all the reg- all eight regions. So, um, I, you know, I think that things have been smooth and we've been doing a pretty good job. I feel good about it. Yeah. I should. I conflated you guys with the men's. I think the men's had less turnover than we were expecting, yeah. and, and I yeah, forgot. We had a lot. Yeah, you guys had a lot more. Uh, how have the racks been doing? Has there been a consistent question that comes up, or has it has it seemingly gone at least relatively well with them? Yeah, I think it's been relatively well. I mean, as always, the questions are is. You know, how do we weigh when the second week comes and the the wins versus rank comes in? So where does that play into, and how do you look at that in compared to winning percentage and strength of schedule? 
you know, and where do you find the balance between all of that? Because week two is really the week that it starts to really, things can really change. You have a team that might be second in the region going into week two, and then, you know, they're 0-3 or they have no ranked wins, and then, then you have a team that was in fifth and they have three ranked wins. So that really, that's the week where everyone gets a little shook up because that ranked wins comes in. So we, I think I answer more questions during week two than I really do. By the time we get to week three, I think we have a sense of what we're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, week two, you enter the, you enter the new equation of results versus and some other right. stuff. Week three, you're like, oh, there's nothing new. Okay, hold on. We, we, we can go through this process. Right, exactly. Uh, so, and then the other question that, you know, we've been talking about is, is how, how to best use the um, uh, non-division strength yes. schedule, which is yeah. new last year. We really like that. I think it's helping us so much. Um, so, you know, just talking a little bit about how to use it, make sure we don't overuse it. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's definitely times where all things being equal in the primary, we can go to that in the secondary, and it gives us a real picture. And it sort of allows us to answer the, that question where teams are like, well, it's not my fault. I play in a weak conference or, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then mm -hmm. we can say, well, what did you do? It also helps us educate a little bit. You know, I've had a couple conversations with maybe younger coaches. Uh -huh. There's them saying, what can I do? Well, this is your non-conference schedule. Your non-conference strength of schedule is a 359. Ooh. You have to go out and pick up a couple good non-conference games, and this is what I would do. I would look at different conferences, top two or three teams in those conferences, and go out and try to schedule one of those guys. Yeah. You know, so I think it, I think that that criteria has helped us in a, in a few ways. I think it's been good for women's basketball. Curiosity, I got two questions regarding that. Then the first one being, when you say not use it too often, and I'm not saying those exact words as you used them, it, how do you mean? Does it does it become maybe an accidental crutch? No, I don't think so. I just mean like we we it's not primary criteria. So sure. just a reminder, it's not primary criteria. But it is a tool that we can use when we go into the – it's the best tool in the secondary, in my opinion. You know, because we, yeah. we're, not, yeah. we're not allowed to use the team sheet. We can look at it. But you know what I mean? Like, we, we're not using RPI. So for us, that non-conversational schedule, I think that is the best tool in the secondary for us. So in other words, hey, focus on the primary. Don't just dump out of it quickly to get over here to the secondary one. Sure. Use this yeah. if you can. And if you can't, we get it. But we think we, you can solve it here. Right, exactly. It's it's just one more piece of information that sort of tells us, okay, hey, this team doesn't play in the strongest conference, but they really tried. Mm -hmm. Like they went out, their non-conference strength of schedule is a 625. You know, they they, they played the best non-conference schedule they could. Mm -hmm. no. You know, so, so that makes us, you know, sometimes that makes the committee feel a little bit differently about someone that's 21 and 5 with a 410 strength of schedule. You know, and maybe maybe only one ranked win. But then you go, hey, they went out, they tried to play this team, this team, this team, you know, kind of thing. So it, it allows us to look at a whole body of work, I think. Per that, how do – the one problem with the non-conference SOS is no one sees it. They, they have to call you or they have to call a committee right. member to get that information. Right. Is it worth saying to the, to the NCAA, hey, put that on the data sheet too, please? You know, it might be. I never thought of it. Yeah, that's certainly that would be a good conversation, I think, for us to have um, in April. You know, I, I um, yeah, I do. I do think that's a good idea. Well, you should know what your non-conference strength of schedule is. Right. That's sure. that's kind of what I'm getting. I, I realize yeah. some may not get it because maybe they aren't paying attention to what every single non-conference team is doing, or as you point out, they're young coaches, or 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 I don't want to use the word naive in a bad way. I just mean they don't have a full understanding of how this all works. And they just don't understand what their non-conference right. number is. They have no idea of knowing it. 
No, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it could help coaches who do know that they need to go out, but maybe don't have the funding to do that. Sure. So I think that could help coaches in that way too. Like, go to their athletic director and say, "Hey, like, listen, like, we were 21 and five last year, but we didn't get in because you told you know, me to stay local." Yeah, we stay too local. Like, I need to go more national. I need to play better teams. Like, look at our non-conference strength of schedule compared to someone else's non-conference strength schedule. Mm -hmm. Can we get a little bit more in our travel budget? Can we, you know, I I think that could be a tool that coaches could use. Uh, Great point. Fascinating point. And and maybe even a tool inside the conference, too, when talking to their brethren about things. Hey, our SOS is this low. You're forcing me to do this. You're forcing so-and-so to do this. Why don't you all help us out? Yeah, no, I, that makes that makes a lot more sense. Fascinating. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no. So I think that could be a good conversation for April for us, sure, to yeah. let people know what their non-conference schedule is. Yeah, because that's the one drawback is is on the men's side we have somebody who's doing the math, so we try and figure that out, but we have no way of checking it. On the women's side, we have no way of checking that number. We're we're guesstimating uh, a little bit, and I mean we as a, a general people. Sure. Um, the, versus the committee members like yourself who see it. Right. Um, going into I'll just the, give you my password, Dave. You can oh, go right in there. could you please? <laughs> oh, please. I'll call you. I'll, we'll talk after. We'll talk offline. We'll we'll get that from her. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to get a call from somebody soon, and it's not you. Uh, <laughs> um, curiosity going into this weekend. Do you know of what hurdles you may have in front of you that are going to be a bit challenging? Take a little bit more time to to figure out, break down whether it comes to the ranking process or the selection process. Um, And I guess before I say that, can you remind everybody what the process is? Um, Sure. So Sunday we will do our final rankings. Uh, We'll have our final rank call in the morning, and then we'll get on in the afternoon, like probably around 2 o'clock, and do our final rankings with the National Committee. And you, as you know, those will be unpublished. Um, And then we'll be waiting for conference championship games to end on Sunday. So if anyone out there would like to stop playing on Sunday, that would be amazing. Uh, anyway, that's my plug from the National Committee. Um, preach, Karen, preach! I'm telling you, it kills us. Um, so as soon as all the conference games are done and we can finalize our rankings, then we will go into, um, we will go into the selection process. Um, so by the time we get to the selection process, I would say it's usually around 7 or 8. Um, because we're always waiting for that last team to finish their conference championship. And then um, once we have our – and the first – obviously the first part of selections we'll do is the pool – is it C? B? Yes, B first and then C. B, thank you. <laughs> now um, I do need your password. <laughs> yeah, so we'll look at that, um, and that, that only takes – it doesn't take very long. I actually already looked at it, so I think we're in pretty good shape with that one. Um, and then we'll go to the at-large bids, and that takes a little while, you know, obviously, and you have um, national committee members, you know, on the call and representing their regions and, you know, talking through that and then trying to get the best 20, you know, at-large teams in, in the tournament. I bring this up on your end because it tends to happen more on the women's side for a variety of reasons. One, because as we've talked about in the past, there tends to be very good coaches who end up being on the committee, but also have their teams um, either discussed for at large or in the tournament. And because your particular liaison feels that it, it needs to be a little bit stricter. If your team is an at large team and you're on either the, the rack, well, rack in general for ranking, but the national committee in terms of selections and even ranking, you're not participating in the conversations, correct? Can we draw, can, can you kind of recap that? Yeah. If you're on the rack, you're participating. 
even if your team if, – so for my RAC call, all members of my RAC will participate, regardless of whether their team is in contention or not. They just can't – they can't be pushing themselves. Um, they can speak factually about their institution. Okay. Yes, you can talk about your team. Okay. In a factual manner. You can't provide, like, inside details. Like, you can't say, well, my best player was out with an injury. Okay. okay. So that's not relevant. But you can say facts. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Like, okay. like, I could say, you know, Montclair State has went 15-1 and one since Christmas or 16-1 and one since Christmas. I could say that. That's a fact. Um, so you know, but is you that a criteria number? No. No. I'm just, I was just throwing I, was I know. I'm sorry. Up. I'm having fun. Go ahead, Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me in trouble, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I just, I can hear the the birds behind me. Wait, uh, did you uh, hear yeah. her? No, no, no. Sorry. Just throwing out a It's fact. okay. Go ahead. Um, so you could say stuff like that about your team. You know, you just can't say like, you know, other things like that. Or okay. we only lost by two or we lost at the buzzer. You know, stuff like that is irrelevant. So, um, but yeah, so so all the all the members of the RAC are present on that call and represented. Then, when it comes to the national committee and we're doing selections, if your team is in consideration, then you are off the call until they are, are selected. If they are selected, because it makes it very difficult. You know, uh, I think it puts everyone in a bad position. So, you know, if Montclair State is on the board, waiting to get in that large bid, you know, um, I would go off the call until they're selected, and if they're not selected, then I would never get back on the call for selection. Yeah, you'll know. Um, and then, um, and then, but once they're selected, then you're back on. Um, so that's that's kind of how we do it there. Karen, welcome back to the call. By the way, we're done. We're going to bracketing now. Oh, okay. So I'm not making the tournament. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Someone replace you on that on yeah, that national uh, call. Will someone can, replace yes. you? Yes, 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 they can. Yes, yes. We have representatives um, from the RAC who know everything and have been a part of that that would rep- that would be a replacement. Are they yep. kind of hanging on and listening so that they can yes. be informed? Okay. Yep, exactly. I didn't know yep. if they were coming in cold or not. That's why, yep. that's no, why I was No, no, they're usually hanging on and listening. So we either have Oh, they have lovely evenings. <laughs> yeah, no. We either, we either have a representative who is a part of the RAC or we'll have a former committee member oh, okay. who recent, you know, who knows exactly what's going on. Uh, any chance you want to tell us who yours is? No. Darn. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get some good information there. Yeah, Darn. I already gave you some good Aaron's stuff. Aaron's on top of me today. Um, all right, so now we get to the process, and I, and I appreciate the plug about um, how difficult it makes it on Sundays. Um, when you get to the point of these selections, Karen, how, in, how difficult is it when you're looking across the board at all these different regions and how much does the criteria help you, or, or does it does it also sometimes make it more complicated? Um, when we're selecting the at-large bid, yeah. is that what you're talking yeah. about? Um, I think the criteria helps us. I mean, we kind of do it the same way. You know, we'll say, well, these guys have, you know, they're they're twenty-one and five. Their strength of schedule is a five thirty. You know, they have two ranked wins, and then we usually want to know like some breakdown numbers. We do a lot with the breakdown numbers of the strength of schedule. A little bit more, I would say. You know, because teams are so close usually. Mm-hmm. So we're like, all right, well, they've got no bad losses. They've got two wins over 900. And their non-conference strength of schedule is a 560. Mm. And so, like, you know, maybe that's, you know, that's me representing, you know, I don't know, someone in my region. Sure. Right? So then national committee member, you know, someone else will say, well, what about, you know, this other school? You know, right. they've, they've done really well. They've, you know, whatever it is. 
and then you kind of just talk about it. But I, you know, I think we have we have our job is sort of twofold, and mine is probably threefold, right? Mm-hmm. So you're you're representing your region. I'm representing the Atlantic region, right? But you also want to make sure that we get the best possible field that we can. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we're not. You're not representing your region at all costs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Like, I'm not pushing my region just to push my region. Like, I, I want to make sure my region is representative and that they're, you know, they're looked at in comparison to everyone else's region. But I also still want the best field that we can put together. What about the adage that the RAC's job is to make sure to put the best teams in order to be yeah. selected and not have yeah. somebody who may deserve to be <laughs> higher but could end up being a blocker? Yes, we talk about it, and actually we've talked about it a little bit more this year. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we have four new members sure. to the National Committee. So I think we've been looking at that, and like, and it's really important that we don't make a mistake. Um, you know, because you, the last thing you want is a team to get on the board and just sit there, and it blocks a really good team below them. Sure. So I, I think we're being very careful. We start really looking at it at week three. Um, and then, obviously, on Sunday, we will double and triple check that to make sure, you know, that we did it all right and that we're not putting someone up there that has three bad losses and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or no, no ranked wins or, you know, whatever it is. So, in, and sometimes you're, when you're looking at these, what the rack presents you or when you're looking at them in general, you're you're not just looking at the order they're putting in there. You're also kind of getting at, a, at an adage of, Okay, if we, if this is fifty fifty, who's going to have the better resume to get in that in that large selection and maybe adjusting? Is that a fair way of saying that? Um, yes, as long as we're using the numbers to do that. Yeah. Oh, like, sure. I, I mean, I had a conversation the other day. I mean, I said these exact words. Like, I understand what you're saying, but they are not going to compare nationally. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I do think you know. I, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I, that is a part of how we look at it. But but if you're using to be f- fair, I mean, if you're you, using the numbers, it's hard to argue, right? right? I mean, right. if exactly. it's fifty-fifty, I mean, it's no. an interesting adage to look at it nationally. But as you said, you're trying to put the best bracket together. I find that somewhat fascinating. I, I'm sure we'll find people out there who go, "Oh, this is wrong," but that's because yeah. we but, find people who say that all the time. So I don't have an opinion because I think it's fascinating. How these committees do and how it evolves over the years. I've talked to countless committee members at this point, and, and hearing how it evolves over the years is certainly interesting to me. Um, I, I mean, we can go in the weeds on that. I'll stop because we'll have more conversations after this is all said and done that will give us a, maybe a better way of honing some of this down. But when it comes to bracketing, then how please give everybody a sense of how this comes together, but on more importantly, how you're still using the criteria to put it all together. Right, yeah, definitely still using the criteria. Those ranked, those uh, regional rankings come into play, especially when you're looking at who's hosting and who's not hosting. Um, you know, we have to look at um, who uh, put in bids. Uh, the men have priority this year, so are there any conflicts there for the first weekend? Um, you know, so we'll kind of look at all of that. And I, we don't seed per se, for sure, but I think we try to do the corners with the top four. And then you know okay. you in a perfect in a perfect world maybe you would have two teams from each region hosting, you know I, I think that's in like a perfect world. It doesn't always it doesn't work like that necessarily, but I think that's kind of the idea. Like if you're in one or two in your region, you know I think you have a good chance of hosting depending on geographics and you know some other things. Um, interesting when you talk about that with the priority with the men the second weekend. 
the men will have this single game, as it were, because of their offset schedule with the uniqueness right. of their tournament. But they're going to be playing them on Friday and Saturday, splitting into four four. Has there been any talk about the possibility, despite the fact the women do have the priority that weekend, of having co-hosts in sense? And it hasn't happened in a long time. Back to when the men had two buys, and I even think 2013 during its unique tournament. Basically, the sense is the women have three games, the men have one. Can we put them in one site? You know, and Amherst, for example, which is a bad example this year, but you know, those are the kinds we think of. Has there been a conversation about that? Is it allowed? And would you guys be open to it? Um, I actually don't know the ruling on that, so I don't know if that's even allowed, um, and we have not had any conversation. I don't think there's any precedent for that, but, you know, it could be a conversation down the road if we're fortunate enough to continue to do these joint championships. Uh, you know, I, this is our only the second joint championship, if I'm understanding correctly, maybe back in the day. For the was, men, it's the second one. Yeah, if, yeah if, second. Tradition, right? In the modern time, right. Yeah, in the modern time. So I, I don't think that we've been to the point where we're doing these enough where we start to have this conversation, but I don't think that wouldn't be a cool thing, you know, if it's allowed, it, it, you know. Um, it'd be something new that's never been done before. So, you know, I think it'd be interesting to have the conversation, but I don't know even if, you know, I don't know what the NCAA legislation is, so I don't want to, I really can't yeah, speak to that. Yeah, and I've lost track of it myself, can't find it in writing either. We'll ask Sam his opinion on it too, but... Um, I know they did it at one point, and then I thought it was it was shut down, but I can't find anything official about that. So uh, kind of interesting this year just brings it back up. Um, all right, so the whole process takes place. We, how do you prepare for bracketing? Uh, it's really hard. Um, you know, you, it's hard to prepare for bracketing because you can't – you don't know what 64 teams are in. So now sure. you have your 64 teams in, and then you've got to, you know, create this bracket. So – I think trying to look at uh, a little bit ahead of time as to, okay, who's our top four? Who's ranked one and two in the region? What are some potential? Who can host? Who can't host? You know, some of that stuff. And then, obviously, there's a, there's a computer formula that puts a first, you know, addition together or whatever. Okay. Um, and Interesting. then we just move, move things around from there. I didn't, um, know what, I didn't know about the formula. That's fascinating. I think so, yeah. I don't know exactly how it works. It's under pretty much under lock and key over there, but... <laughs> Um, okay. I know that something comes out, and then we go okay. from there. Okay. Then we end up moving it all around. It might have to do with the geographical location. That might be oh, the sure. program that goes that in place, sense. right? Yeah. Um, I have a feeling. Um, so then, and then it all gets moved around from there. But I think it gives us because when you click on it, you can tell like how many miles someone yes. is from someone. You can, you know, you move a team, and then you're like, oh crap, they're 610 miles. <laughs> we got to move them back. You know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then it's everyone looking at it and everyone, once we have what we think is a pretty good bracket uh, and we, you know, you, your eyes are bleeding at that point. Yeah. So I, you get off the call, everyone goes their separate ways. You know, you, you look at each of your region's teams that are in and, you know, try to not have any mistakes, you know, which obviously we always have a couple, but... You do your best, you know, to not have that. Like, are there any first-round, you know, uh, conference opponents? So we, yeah. uh, we will not have that problem this year, thankfully. Well, it, um, but that brings up an interesting scenario, you know, just prognosticating. There's a chance you get three ASC teams out. Yeah. That, that will blow up to some degree what you do, what you've traditionally done down in that neck of the woods. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I, it's going to put the new rule to test. I love I it. I like it. Yeah. I know, yeah. Um, another quirk, 
Uh, and again, it's because liaisons treat this a little bit differently. Um, and we've talked about this on the women's side, but you know, a couple of years ago, it basically the bracketing got left to two people because the other six who were on the committee were in the tournament, and the, your guys' mentality is remove them from the bracketing so that they a don't know who they're playing in advance, and b don't try and sway it in any way. And you and I've talked about that. We don't need to go into the weeds on that now. But how do you prepare in case? example you're in the tournament or any of the other ones who are on the committee are in the tournament and this doesn't just get dumped for lack of a better description on new on people who've never done the bracketing before right yeah i think that's a conversation um you know we're continuing to look at that and and decide how we're going to approach it and i think that's a conversation that the, our ncaa liaison and myself as the chair will have uh later this week um uh, or sometime before Sunday, and just to sort of get a sense of, like, well, how are we going to do that? Um, because, you know, we may be in that situation where we have a few coaches who are in the tournament, um, and, you know, we don't we want to make sure we have enough eyes on that bracket and we have enough people with enough experience. So, you know, I think that's a conversation that the NCAA liaison and myself will have to make sure that we feel like we're in a good position. Makes some sense. Uh, I could talk to you forever, uh, but I don't want to take too much of your time. I hope we've covered everything. Like I said, we'll talk to Karen uh, after this is all said and done on Monday, we hope. We haven't really warned Karen of that yet, but we'll we'll talk to her. She's hearing about it for the first time here. Um, but we'll talk to you more, obviously, about how this all came together and, and, and questions on how you guys you know, handled some challenges that I'm sure you will have to face and whatnot. So I appreciate the time. Um, and we certainly wish you good luck in the NJAC championship. Congratulations once again on getting your program back there, and congratulations to student-athletes on, on their work on doing that. As always, though, we give the final word to you. Any final thoughts you have for those who may be tuned in? Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me. And, you know, if I do get back on the call on Monday with you, you got, you know, you got to take it easy on me. <laughs> oh, do I? I do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I don't know, Karen. I, I can't promise. I might be just as sleep-deprived. Uh, I know, I know, I know. All right, well, Dave, thanks for all you do. Thanks for all, for all you do for women's basketball, especially. We certainly appreciate it. And um, have a great weekend. It's going to be fun. Yes, it will be. Thank you very, very much for your time. Good luck. Enjoy it nonetheless, and we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right, sounds good, Dave. Karen Harvey joining us from Montclair State, where she's head coach. She's also the Women's Basketball Committee chair here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. So there's Karen's interview with us. We appreciate her time uh, with all of that. Um, some interesting nuggets came out of there. First off, I'd always been under the impression that the um, that a person in the rack can't discuss their team or is off the call. I guess that is just a national side of things. Or things have changed. I'm not sure which. You point out they can only talk about facts. Um, I, I think that's interesting. I mean, again, the committee members can, um, well, do vote after the fact, after conversations take place. It used to be you voted on the call. Now you vote after the fact. And uh, I definitely think that's a little bit more interesting. Um, she also dro dro dropped in some other nuggets there that I, I think were, were very helpful uh, if you're looking at how this process comes together and what the women are looking at. Now, remember, the women and men have the exact same criteria. The men have a slight difference in that their SOS is um, got the weighted measurement to it. Uh, Sam Atkinson comes up next. We talked to him earlier today about all of this. One of the questions I forgot to ask him was after we kind of got revealed in more depth, the SOS um, question, as it were, if, whether it's being 
um, added up correctly. I did forget to ask him about that, but we'll certainly ask him about that down the road at some point. Um, one thing I can tell you is they weren't going to change using the SOS, but it's an interesting question on whether it's a valid SOS. Anyway, uh, thanks to, to Karen for coming on the show. Really appreciate her taking the time to do that. We will hopefully be talking to her on Monday evening on our mat, our bracket breakdown show. Um, and, and in that sense, we'll talk more specifically about decisions they made about teams that got in. And we'll talk more specifically about bracketing decisions along with that as well. So that'll come up on Monday's show. And again, enjoy this up until that point. We'll take another break when we come back. As we mentioned, Sam Atkinson, same interview, but from a different perspective. The men's basketball committee chair joins us to talk about everything they're doing, especially the fact that their bracket is a little bit different. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More hoops after this. College has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests, and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division Three. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had bats. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. 
My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville on this Thursday evening as we continue along. We continue to monitor scores from around Division Three in men's basketball. A couple of early games in the men's game or games that are early on in men's have some interesting results. We'll keep an eye on that. And a reminder, GNAC has had to adjust its schedule due to a, a deadly accident on I-84. Men's basketball tourna tournament. Now there's a game being played tonight at 9 o'clock. LaSalle at Albertus Magnus. Then tomorrow, uh, Anna Maria will now play St. Joseph. And as a result of that, the championship game has been moved to Sunday. I need to check on the women's side because I thought there was a postponement there, which will probably move their championship game as well. But I need to go double check that and we will do so before the show ends. Uh, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville where we're simulcasting the show. Also simulcasting on youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. All right, so we talked to Karen Harvey about the women's side of things. Now up, Sam Atkinson on the men's side. Sam is the Associate Athletics Director for Communications at Gallaudet University in his second year, as Karen is, as being the chair on the men's basketball committee. Sam and I talked earlier today. He had lots of things to discuss, including what they're doing with re uh, how they've been doing with regional rankings. But most importantly, we have an offset schedule in men's basketball. Remember, two rounds the opening weekend, a single Sweet 16 round the second weekend, which will split into two days on Friday and Saturday. Then we play the quarterfinals and semifinals in Fort Wayne. Then two weeks, and we play the championship at the Division I Final Four in Atlanta. And we discussed all of that, plus a lot more. Now joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, he is Gallaudet University's Associate Director of Communications, but more importantly in our world, he is the head of the Men's Basketball National Committee. Sam Atkinson, once again joining us, sir. As always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for taking it here on a, what is a very busy week. No problem, Dave. Good to talk to you as always. I appreciate it. Um, all right, so a little bit different. We're talking to you obviously ahead of when you're going to do your work like we normally do anyway, but we're giving some people a little bit of a lead time. I hate to be repetitive, but there's a lot of people who still are, are new to this or don't quite understand it. Let's give them a, re a recap. What is the primary criteria? What's your secondary criteria? Sure, Dave. Uh, happy to explain that again. Uh, when we're looking at the primary criteria, we're looking at a win-loss percentage. Um, we're looking at common division opponents, record in division, and in division record versus ranked opponents. Um, sometimes you will also have in certain regions and even different regions uh, a head-to-head -head, uh, opportunity. So there's five primary criteria that we look at. And then secondary, um, the main one that jumps out for all the teams is their non-conference SOS. Um, we also have uh, you know, the look at if there was any games outside of Division Three that they might have participated in, um, but the main one for the secondary criteria is the non-conference SOS. Yeah, that's obviously the big one since the others kind of don't fit the role, the realm, as it were. Uh, we've gone through three 
public rankings. I know you've had one or two mocks on top of that, so there's been plenty of experience for the RACs and the National Committee in doing this. Moved up mm-hmm. this week to Tuesday, so this is a, a double question. We'll get the first answer, and then we'll ask the second part. First off, how have things gone overall for you guys in the process leading up to talking to you today here on the 27th? I mean, everything's been really good from rack to rack. Uh, we've been getting good re- um, reports back from our regional chairs. Um, the one thing that we've been trying to stress, though, this week um, and heading into Sunday for the final regional rankings is to continue to uh, apply the criteria consistently across the board. Um, you know, I think you get to the point here where the third rankings come out and those teams that are ranked will remain ranked uh, for Sunday's rankings as well. Um, and anybody that enters Sunday's rankings will join um, those rankings as far as impacting the results versus all division ranked opponents. Um, you know, I think in the past, you know, this is where some racks and, and some coaches would maybe jockey for position to see if a team might move up um, and get to the table quicker than another team or, you know, another team may, you know, would maybe block other teams from getting a chance to get to the table. Um, but our message to all of our rack members and our national committee members is to continue to apply the criteria the way we've been doing it. I've been very pleased with the way our rankings have been. Um, and I think in, in all fairness and, you know, everything, we want to make sure we're consistent to the end. Um, and I think that's a big thing that we just like to drive home um, as we head into Sunday's uh, rank final rankings. Uh, two-parter on that is, obviously, uh, I'll, I'll get to the second part of it, but you kind of brought up a couple things I want to rehash. First sure. off, the consistency. How important do you, is it to have these racks being consistent across the board and what they're doing despite the differences of what each region presents? Yeah, I think, you know, every rack every year always has a couple new members, and there's always a learning curve for those new members that are part of that. Um, and us as a national committee, we normally have two new members as well, so there is a learning curve uh, for those regions when there is a new chair. Uh, we were fortunate this year that Rick Ferry uh, from Albright uh, stayed on as our Mid-Atlantic chair. Uh, so we had seven returners, and I think that's really been a big improvement um, and, and it's really impacted us as a committee. Uh, our chemistry is great and, and that we're able to be on the same page when we're, we're reviewing everything. Um, so I think with, when, when you look at the racks to racks, you know, you know, that's why we have th- uh, three-year terms for rack members because it takes usually a year or two under your belt to really get into the flow of things. And I, and I think even for myself, you know, being now in the fourth year, things are a lot more um, smoother in that regard as far as, you know, knowing the process and making sure that we're being consistent from region to region and also on the, on the national level. When you talked about the results versus regionally ranked opponents and that extra set, can we remind, mm-hmm. you, you touched on it, I want to remind everybody, you guys basically have another set of regional rankings on Sunday that will be done, and, that's ba- and that results versus regionally ranked opponents data is obviously coming from this week's, week three's rankings. But then you guys retabulate that, our, that, that results versus information to present new data, and you may make additional changes. So I always call it kind of like a double final um, um, regional rankings to the point that you just want to get as much data, and that will include week three and technically the final rankings, correct? Correct. And as you guys have alluded to in years past and in another area that we've harped on as a national committee, um, you know, we are still going to be waiting for about a dozen conference championships to finish on Sunday. 
Uh, so for us as a, as a national committee, we will not lock in our final rankings and probably you know, until that last game is done. Um, we will review all regions um, after the RACs have their calls on Sunday morning. The national committee will get together around noon on Sunday, and our first uh, order of business will be to start going through the regional rankings and, and reviewing them thor- thoroughly and making sure that things are set right. Um, and then also at, the, at that time, we will also look ahead in those different regions and see what conference championships are being played that afternoon that will have a direct impact um, on a certain region or, you know, could also impact multiple regions depending on mm-hmm. the teams um, in, in the mix there. So we will not, you know, finally lock them in the rankings until after the last uh, championship game, which I, I believe doesn't tip until about three. Yeah, three or four o'clock. I can't remember either myself off the top of my head. Right. Um, quickly, though, uh, will you guys get going essentially in selections and all of that work, even if games are, are going on with the an understanding that you may meet, need to make some changes? Because I can't imagine you guys won't get started until, you know, five, six, seven o'clock at night when these games finally finish. No, and, uh, and, and uh, one thing I would say is that as, as a committee, we've been having a lot of calls already this week. Um, starting just to look ahead as far as looking at the conferences and the conference championships, who's going to have a possibility of winning the AQ from every conference that has an AQ bid. Um, so, you know, to me, I think we're probably the most prepared that we've been uh, in my four years on, the, on this committee. Um, I like where we are. We're doing a lot of legwork um, on the front end. Just to, you know, the different scenarios, looking at AQs, looking at, at large possibilities, uh, but no selections will be locked in until after the final regional rankings are done and those selections are made. But what, we, what we're trying to do is trying to see if there's a certain cut line where, you know, we, we know if, you know, a case in point, I guess, would be Mid-Atlantic, you know, Swarthmore and Johns Hopkins, if they those two teams were able to meet in the Centennial Championship, um, the loser of that game would probably still have a pretty you know, good opportunity to be in that large. Okay. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of have an idea of certain teams uh, from certain conferences where, you know, if, yeah. if they don't win the championship, the other team is going to be in. Sure. Um, and I think that, you know, you can do that for a handful of teams. You, you definitely cannot do it for all 20 uh, pool C bids. So, yeah. But we, you know, as long as we can try to at least have a, a good idea of where we stand um, in different scenarios, and, and that's what we're doing right now. And every day we're going through um, our regions and looking at the updates from the conference tournaments. And, you know, it's been a lot of, yeah. a couple of big upsets in, in the smaller conferences uh, recently, uh, last night and on Tuesday. So, you know, this is completely, cha- you know, it's very fluid and yeah. it continues to change right now. <laughs> Just when you get comfortable, something will change right, on you. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and quickly, you mentioned you guys get started at noon. That means the racks will have met that morning, even though games aren't done. And, and they present you multiple scenarios as well. Of course. We, we always want to take in consideration of, you know, what conference championships are still going on in certain regions. I believe the West region will be completely done, though, um, by Sunday morning. And there might be a, a one other. But um, I think there's a handful of conference championships uh, still happening on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's a couple that moved off of that, which was good. Um, but, yeah, you know, the RACs will have their opportunity to voice their opinions. Um, and we definitely take into the, all that sure. uh, feedback. Um, let me ask you a couple specific questions. I think these rankings have been a little bit more interesting this year in the sense that 
to be blunt, I think in past years we can nail down what the committees may be looking at in terms of, oh, they're definitely leaning on SOS there. Oh, they're definitely leaning on win-loss there. I think this year, and, and, and to some credit, I would say, it's not as clear-cut. And we got a question from our own Ryan Scott, who always loves this stuff. He says, I'm curious if there's a specific process they're using this year that's different than before, i.e., are they starting with teams sorted by winning percentage and adjusting other criteria, etc. It feels like these results are not following markers we've seen in previous years. What's different? And I should point out to anybody at home, Ryan's not complaining. He's kind of curious as to what you guys, how you guys kind of go about the, the process. Where do you start, I guess, is the best part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, I've been very pleased with how things have gone with these rankings and it kind of feels like a, you know, I guess a breath of fresh air as far as, you know, getting rid of, in the past, you know, the changing of the, the SOS um, and that, um, I guess, equation that they used in the past in old racks and national committees. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the the more we distance ourselves from that, um, you know, we're, we're, we have rack members and national committee members that don't even um, have that experience. So I think sure. that's helped a lot. Um, I think, you know, we are looking completely at all criteria on that first page. And the one thing I've noticed with RAC calls and national committee calls, you know, there's a lot of the members on those those calls are sorting, you know, looking at the win-loss percentage, looking at the in-division SOS, and and making sure that we're not overlooking somebody because of one or the other. Um, But then we also need to dive into the numbers, and I think we've done a great job as far as being thorough and looking at, all right, they're three and one in division ranked opponents, but who did they beat? And, you know, where do those teams rank in, in their respective divisions, uh, regions? Uh, sorry. Um, and, then, and then also looking at the head-to-heads you know, and when they come into play. So, you know, to me, you know, I think, you know, we're, what we've been able to do so far this year has been great and, uh, and a vast improvement. Regarding that, last year there was a, a comment made about using wins versus a top 50 and versus a top 100 and top 150, and I think a lot of people were a little confused by that. Um, I know from inside baseball, I think you guys were talking about the SOS regarding that. Some people thought you were talking about an RPI. What A, what were we talking about? And B, is that a factor still, and how is it used? No, I think the only RPI we talk about is in the East Region um, and the engineers up there. <laughs> well played, sir. But um, for us, who's number two in the East Region, but um, you yes. know, that RPI is having a great season. Um, but for us, you know, I think we, you know, we you know, looked more at when you're looking at division-ranked opponents, where do those opponents rank in, in their respective regions? And you know, I think that's been our main focus. When we're looking at, you know, looking, trying to compare a team from one region to the next, um, you know, I, I think we've always discussed on on, the, on your show, Dave, as far as a win loss percentage that might be really high, but then, you know, they, they don't have any region ranked wins um, to a team that might not have a strong win loss percentage, but it's really challenged themselves either in conference or non conference. Um, and I think the other thing too is when we do get to a stalemate or we can't make a decision on that first page. That non-com, the division non-conference SOS on the secondary page has been a great decider um, when we have a tie on the first page. But we always try to instruct our racks and, and national committee that you know if we can make the decision on the off the primary criteria, we do not go to secondary. 
How do you guys use the non-conference SOS? In, in what way do you, you – and I don't want to say use it. Maybe that's a bad way of saying it. But how do you read that number, especially when you're going to have to look across regions? What are you trying to interpret when you see that? Yeah, when, you, when, when we see those numbers, you can click you – know, we, we are able to click on their number, and it tells us like who they played okay. um, in, in different regions. Um, or outside their conference correction. Um, so it, to me, it, it's good to good to see like you know how did that team challenge themselves? You know, did they stay local? Uh, did they play some teams that um, may may not have been the challenge, or did they really you know go to different tournaments and pre you know in the early part of the season, or did they um, you know get away from home and, and challenge themselves there, or did they you know bring in some good good teams? And then the tough thing, and I know a lot of coaches understand this too, is like you might schedule a team that was a tournament team last year, and then that team is just not having a great season this year. Um, and that has, you know, you just can't control that. Um, but we do appreciate how um, the parity has really um, been a, a, a big thing for Division Three men's basketball in the last couple of years. And we're seeing it this year. Like, you know, outside of an undefeated Swarthmore, there's not, you know, there's not like another big time team that's undefeated also, you know, so yeah. it shows the parity of what's going on across, across the country here. Um, and I think that's just, you know, going to continue to, you know, keep happening, which is great because I think it's just great for the game of basketball to, to see these teams challenging them, themselves in tournaments and, um, and, you know, different non-conference games. When you talk about uh, the non-conference as well, do you, I mean, is the number the higher the number, the better, the better, or most likely they're going to win that no, that uh, that tiebreaker versus the lower number. I mean, is it essentially can it be that simple, or as you described, maybe the higher number doesn't always get the nod? Um, you know, uh, we don't use it a lot. You know, to okay. be honest, and, and the few times that we do use it, it, it is usually the the higher number gets it. Um, again, I think clicking on it and seeing how many non conference games a, a team has, though. Uh, it's important to keep keep in mind, um, as, as we know, some conferences they they play anywhere from 16 to 20 conference games, um, and other other teams they may not have as many conference games. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind. Um, but you know, to me, like when you're, you're really cutting hairs between two teams, um, you know, this has been a, a good um, decision, you know, outcome by looking at the Division Nine conference SOS because. The likelihood of that number being exact, exactly the same uh, for each team, is, it's not going to happen that often. Sure. Uh, let's let's skip ahead to bracketing before we lose any time here. Uh, we obviously have a different schedules. We talked about multiple times. We'll play two rounds like we normally do the opening weekend. The Sweet Sixteen, as it as it were, will be played by itself the second weekend, though it'll be staggered into four games on Friday, four games on Saturday at eight different sites, and then we go on to Fort Wayne for the Elite Eight Final Four and obviously on to Atlanta for the championship game. With that offset schedule as it is, how is that affecting men's hosting? And in particular, how much you have to be aware of those eight hosts the second weekend versus the traditional four that host a pod when right. your guys are going to be putting together that first weekend? And the one thing I'll say about this joint championship year is we've gotten the best response as far as teams that want to host um, than we've had oh, in the great. past. Um, I, I think a lot of teams are, are see this opportunity if they can win the first weekend to have a um, a, a third round game on their campus. You know, it's a rarity. Um, you know, and, and it just being one game. So it, the, the response has been terrific, and it's given us a lot of options um, once we start moving into bracketing to, to know that we know that certain teams 
have already put in for the third round also. And, and we stress to our racks, too, though, to inquire on the teams um, that were interested in hosting to make sure that they put in for both weekends if it was possible. Now, some teams could host the first weekend, and they put in the paperwork, paperwork for the first weekend but not the second weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. And to be honest, you know, it, this is not our kind of typical tournament um, with it being um, set up the way it is this year. But I, I do, you know, I think it's a great challenge for this committee to, to put this bracket together. And it's, I think, what we're going to be able to, to do and, and see what happens in Fort Wayne can be something we haven't been able to see um, in a long time. I, mean, I think we've been doing a great job as far as making this bracket as national as possible already. But now to be able to really set, you know, our quarterfinal games, you know, to be able to have, like, you know, you could have a West Re- a team from the West go up against a team from the Great Lakes or, you know, from the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it, you know, so there's options there, and I think it's just going to make it a, a great tournament the way it plays out. The, the one thing I would also say is it's probably the first weekend. It's going to be uh, teams are going to have to probably be uh, kept a little closer uh, to that site just because of uh, travel and also uh, timing of games. Um, when to to the but to that offset with that second weekend, are you going to maybe get a little hamstrung on the opening weekend? to make sure that you're creating pods that whoever comes out of those are within 500 miles of each other instead of 500 miles of a neutral site? Yeah, yeah I think it's, um, this is where I think it is going to be a little, little difficult for us um, when we're bracketing. Um, to be honest, we haven't been able to, to do that yet. Sure. So, um, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have a different response on Sunday night for you. <laughs> when we when we talk to you next, as it were. Uh, sure. and, and then obviously it moves on. Now, the other interesting quirk about things was in 2013, I think might have been the last year this happened. It could have happened since uh, when we had the, the offset schedule with single round games for several weeks. But also when we had two buys, there was a lot of talk about combining hosts that women and men could host together. We know that technically it's an offsite, but when the men had a single game uh, versus you know, having a full weekend featuring three games. There was always talk of combining, and it, and it happened a few times. We've gotten away from that for a variety of reasons. Is that realistic? Could, should we should we even entertain the idea that that could happen on the Sweet 16 weekend, the second weekend of the tournament? That's a great question, Dave. Uh, it's something that, you know, to be honest, I hadn't, hadn't thought of. But, you know, my main stance on that also would just be that, you know, for us, we're, we're running – the NCAA Division Three men's basketball tournament, um, and I would want to respect uh, the NCAA Division Three women's basketball tournament in the same regards. Um, so to, to ask a host to be able to put on um, hosting duties for both the women's and, and men's basketball tournament at the same time would be difficult for any host, I, I feel, especially if also probably spring sports underway uh, for a lot of those teams as well. But um, I think also a lot of people don't understand. They just look at it as just being one game. But, you know, both teams will have practices the day before. They have uh, shoot-arounds on, on the day of the game. Uh, there's various administration meetings, um, you know, different requests for facilities and equipment and laundry and different things that, you know, a lot of people probably don't think about. Um, and also just, you know, for certain facilities, they have to clear a facility, clean it, and then get it ready for the next game. I just think it would just be too much of a hassle for any host, and I and I don't know, um, you know, if, it, if it's even permitted. 
Yeah, and I, I like I said, it, we haven't had to deal with it in a while, so I wasn't sure what the real answer was to that anymore. Uh, what else do we need to know heading into this weekend and, and before selections start be, you know, becoming a real thing on Sunday and bracketing and before we see the bracket on, on uh, Monday afternoon or morning, depending on where you live? Yeah, and it's going to be interesting how the, the conference tournaments shake out the next couple of days and nights. Um, you know, I think people need to be aware that, you know, if there's a lot of upsets in certain conferences, that's, that's going to take a, probably a pull C bit away um, for uh, the bubble teams, if you call them that, um, <laughs> that, that, you know, their opportunity to get into the tournament is going to get slimmer um, if there are a lot of upsets. Uh, if it goes to chalk, um, which it never does, right? Oh. Um, <laughs> there's always, you know, at least four to five, um, it seems like, major upsets in these tournaments. And that's what makes Division Three basketball so great. You know, all these conferences, you have an opportunity to win your conference and you're going to the big dance. And, uh, and that's amazing for the student-athletes. Um, so I think that's for your fans of D3 hoops. And it's this idea of following the conference tournaments, cheering your teams on, and, you know, see what happens in, you know, the conferences that you follow or, you know, if there's a big upset in one region, it's probably going to have an impact or, um, on a different region. Sure. Uh, by the way, before I let you go, um, me, people don't probably realize this, but I spotted it uh, sneaking into my social media timeline. You have been, you will be receiving the Mary Jo Haverba- uh, Haverback uh, Trailblazer Award from Cosida, which honors a pioneer in the field of sports information who was mentored and helped improve the level of ethnic and gender diversity and inclusion within Cosida. You are a member, or have been, or and still are, I think, a member of the Cosida board, but that is a heck of an honor, sir, to be receiving at this year's Cosida um, uh, convention. Congratulations. What, what, what was your reaction upon hearing this news? Well, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, I was very honored and humbled uh, to be a part of this list of honorees I've received the Haverback uh, Trailblazer Award. Uh, it means a lot to me. Um, you know, I know my work at Gallaudet University, National Deaf and Hard of Hearing University, I've uh, been there for 11 years, and it's been really rewarding for my career and to work with other deaf and hard of hearing student athletes and, and student workers um, and getting them into the sports information uh, business has been um, terrific and, and, again, rewarding for me. And, um, you know, with Casida being involved in their diversity and inclusion committee and advocating for people uh, with disabilities and, and, and hearing loss, it, you know, it's been something that I've learned since I've been at Gallaudet and something that I try to champion um, in my own personal life. Well, it, it, I certainly congratulate you. I know how much Gallaudet has changed under your tutelage, if, if we can use the word tutelage. Thank you for correcting the uh, the name of Mary Cho's last name. I apologize for butchering it. Um, but congratulations, certainly well-deserved. And I know your peers look up to you if this award didn't say enough about that. Um, and on that note, we'll leave it to you. Final word, any final thoughts before we uh, sign off to those who may be tuned in? Well, Dave, again, I know you guys will have a busy uh, Sunday when <laughs> you guys have your own selection show Um, I think it's just important for uh, fans of D3 hoops to enjoy this weekend there's going to be a lot of great basketball if you can get out to a game uh, please do so and then you know just enjoy if the teams that do make the tournament just enjoy this ride it's a great opportunity um, ahead of them and uh, we're really looking forward to getting all these puzzle pieces put together uh, come Sunday night Monday morning um, and and ready for the selection show uh, at 1230 Eastern on on Monday afternoon. Absolutely. 
I appreciate your time. I know we'll talk to you after this is all said and done with questions about how it all came together. Appreciate it nonetheless. Take care. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Absolutely. Sam Atkinson, he is the committee chair for men's basketball in Division Three. He's also the associate communications or associate director for communications at Gallaudet University here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. Cut that off a little bit. Apparently, also, my editing skills, uh, Wirecast doesn't like because uh, I I edited all three interviews today after I realized my countdown was on all three and removed them and then put them back into Wirecast. They all remain there. I don't know what to make of that. Anyway, um, by the way, Sam Atkinson is the COSIDA first uh, vice president. He'll actually take over president of COSIDA coming up this summer so not only the trailblazer award but he'll be ahead of cosida for a year as sports information director it's always good to have a division three uh individual in that position um it's happened a handful of times and nice to see it happen with sam um we've got a bunch to recap across the the um the tournaments in in conference play a lot to get through so i'm going to go we're going to take a break, recap some of that, including an insane night again at Greenville um, and some other things that are going on. So we will take a break. When we come back, we'll go through what's happened. There's been a couple of upsets already. There's been some changes. There's some other games that are kind of dancing around. We'll double check all of that. Furthermore, we'll answer any questions you may have. So send them our way. Tweet them at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Send them on our, our simulcast, whether they're Facebook or YouTube. Though if you're on Blue Frame, don't leave us. Email us or tweet us. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Two Thursdays in a row, folks. That um, fundraiser has not gone up once we've hit the air. We got a number of, of donations the last few days. I appreciate that, and including a few today. But that donation total has not increased tonight. On this show, be nice if we got a couple of donations. We've pinned the um, donation link to the top of both. Well, I'll resend it on Facebook, but we we definitely put it at the top of our Twitter account. So check it out and uh, so on and so forth. We'll take a break. When we come back, Hoopsville, more of it right here. Wrap up the show, plus take a look at what's going on in conference action here on the show. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. 
Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back. Lost track of time there as I was kind of doing the uh, the season or uh, looking at uh, the conferences, that is. Uh, what's going on in the conference? Hope you are enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, email us, hoopsville at D3sports.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, sorry, doing a bunch of things because there's just so much going on tonight in the uh, in the. In, in the NCAA tournament or the conference tournaments, it's absolutely crazy. Michael jo Jones says, so Swarthmore loses to Hop Hopkins in the conference final. Are they still at the top of the region and nationally? Um, I don't know about nationally. I think voters will leave en masse um, because they'll be the last unranked team. <laughs> Excuse me. Or undefeated team. I mean, some voters might stay with them. I don't know what I would do. I think I'd have to see how everybody else plays out there they may stay number one as far as their region i think they would stay number one in the region too i don't think there's a problem there they are they are so in in place there johns hopkins is behind them hopkins would be one and two against swathmore head to head 
So I don't think that gives them the the edge to overcome basically what would be a difference of two in the loss column. I think Swarthmore would stay number one in the Mid Atlantic. Uh, I don't think that's a I don't think that changes. As far as staying number one in the nation, I don't know. I think we got to see what else happens today. There's so much going on. Uh, I don't think that's you know who else wins, who else loses. I, I think that has a, a huge ramification. Uh, does St. Thomas you know win the the title? Maybe beating St. John's and doing so. Does St. John's win the title? You know maybe Wittenberg wins and people also go to them as the only other one loss team that's got a decent shot at number one. Maybe voters go to Randolph Macon, but I, I I don't think they change in the region, and I'm not really sure what happens nationally. Um. All right, so let's talk about what's going on in results tonight. First and foremost, a reminder in the GNAC, and I know it's on the women's on the men's side. I can't, I have not been able to find the answer on the women on the women's side, but I'm going to go look it up at some point here. But um. One of the GNAC semifinals has just started, and it's um, uh, LaSalle and Albertus Magnus. And interestingly enough, LaSalle is up 16-10, five minutes into the game. Um, that happened before in lacrosse, by the way, where a team was delayed about three or four hours due to an accident. And, um, and the home team lost. That game wasn't even close. Um, actually that game was delayed more than that. I think that game was supposed to, no, that game was supposed to start at seven, I think. And it it got played at 10 or, or yeah, I think that's about right. Anyway, that that's lacrosse. Uh, of course that's a huge rivalry game. There are some other factors in place. Um, more importantly, uh, the other game, Anna Maria at St. Joe's has been postponed until tomorrow. And as a result of that, the championship game will be played, um, on Sunday. By the way, I'm noticing there's a maybe a delay in my audio compared to my video. Not sure why, folks. You can tell me if it's true or not. Uh, anyway, so the men's GNAC has been pushed to Sunday. I need to check the women's side of that. I'm not positive if the women have... I thought I read earlier that the women had, had been having similar problems here. Um... I'm looking in the wrong conference. No, I was I was in the right conference. It is the GNAC. There was some other... Oh, it was Little East. That's where it was. Little East. Um, let's see if we can find what's going on in the Little East. Little East had a problem because of this as well. Eastern Connecticut was hosting um, Mass Boston, and that game got postponed. So I, I can... I apologize for any confusion earlier. Let's see if I can find the tweet. Um, here we go. Schedule change due to circumstances beyond our control. The Women's Little East Conference uh, semifinals between number one Eastern Connecticut and number four Mass Boston has been rescheduled for the 28th. Uh, they're also moving the women's final to Sunday as a result of that as well. That game tomorrow will be at 6.30. So this was a deadly accident, unfortunately, on I-84 in Connecticut up near the Massachusetts border, which is northeast of, ha- of Hartford. Uh, it affected the start of one GNAC men's semi and postponed the other GNAC semi to tomorrow. The GNAC championship now in men's basketball will be played on Sunday. It also um, postponed a Little East uh, semifinal game to tomorrow, and as a result, the Little East women's championship will be played tomorrow as well. So there you go. Uh, got that all wrapped up 
for you. Uh, really crazy game already took place. Uh, this one's always fun when we watch system teams. Uh, Greenville defeated Fontbonne 164 to 148. You heard me correctly. Here is the box score, and I realize, ah, you probably can't see much out of that, right? Well, don't worry. Got you covered. Here's Fontbonne's box. Uh, Fontbonne shot 54 or 55 of 92, which is uh, 59.8%. They were just 5 of 10 from beyond the arc, and they were 33 of 41 from the free throw line with 56 rebounds for their 148 points. They were led by Anthony Jones, who scored 45 points on 18 of 27 from the floor. He was four for or two for four from beyond the arc. He and Noah Coddington combined for a total of nine rebounds, or I should say both had nine rebounds. Uh, Doolin and Woodcock also had eight rebounds each. Doesn't, you know, okay. As for Greenville, they're 164 points. There it is. Um, <laughs> they shot 52 of 100 and something. It, it actually gets cut off. But I'm going to guess it's about 105. Oh, no, no, 103 maybe because they shot 50.5%. So I think they were 52 of 103, not 52 of 10. They were 31 of 67 from beyond the arc. Remember, uh, Fontbonne, if we go back, Fontbonne, as you can see, was 5 of 10, 31 of 67 uh, was Greenville. 29 of 41 from the free throw line. They were actually out-rebounded in this game. Eh, Don't know how big a deal that is. For their 164 points. Uh, they were led by Austin Contreras with 41. Uh, Marvin Bateman had 33. And Santiago Grady had 24. To one, two, three, four, five, six guys had um, double digits. And by the way, nobody had more rebounds than the four guys we mentioned for Fontbonne. The highest was Simmons at seven and Vinsel at seven. But you'll notice minutes, the most minutes played were 22. So these, you know, that's actually a lot of minutes in a system set. A setup, but still pretty impressive. Turnovers, by the way, that's one I always like to catch on. 42 assists for Fontbonne, 24 turnovers. For um, Greenville, they had 33 assists, just 18 turnovers. Um, not as many turnovers as I would normally see in a game, to be blunt. Um, that full-court press from Greenville can sometimes force a lot more turnovers than that. Uh, they just didn't get them, um, but that's where a lot of that comes. But there's your crazy result of the night. Uh, we also have some other results that are in. Um, by the way, they're on to the semifinals in both in that conference tournament. Um, I know there's probably some other e- messages. I'm just looking around to see if anybody jumped out. Michael Jones says, great job calling the McDaniel game the other day. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> Swarthmore didn't have uh, or had, a <laughs> had McDaniel easily there. It was a tough one to get through. Um, so, yeah, and not the easiest to say the least. Um, Ryan says, kid from Greenville hit 11 threes. That's a lot even for them. I don't know. Uh, Farmingdale has come back a bit on Yeshiva. Interesting defense approach. Halpert hasn't even attempted a shot yet. 27 minutes left in the game. That is an interesting approach. Um, so let me just check out some of the scores. We'll start on the women's side. Some finals. Emmanuel barely got past Suffolk in women's basketball, 58-57. Wouldn't have necessarily set up any upsets necessarily, but certainly interesting. Eastern Nazarene, Ryan Scott is happy because Eastern Nazarene with 54-44 winner. Eastern Nazarene will host the conference championship for the first time in 20 years. Hats off to them. Uh, University of New England upset Western New England in the the, uh, Little East. 62-53. That's an upset of Western New England. Anthony Ewing's squad getting it done. Sorry, in the Triple C. I said Little East. In the Triple C. 
Um, Western New England was having a tremendous season by their standards. Uh, it's probably come to a close at 21 and five. I'm not sure. Let's see. Northeast region. Western New England was third. There's a chance they get in as an at-large, but we're going to have to see what happens to Bowdoin, Eastern Connecticut, Williams, and Springfield. So Western New England might get in. They might get in as, a, as an at-large, but they are on the bubble now that Western New England upset them in that contest. Um, I'm working my way from the bottom up, by the way, just looking for games that jump out at me. St. Joe's of Maine came from behind against Regis and won by two, 55 53 to keep their hopes of playing in March alive. Harden-Simmons defeated Letourneau in women's basketball, 65-63. This is an upset. Guilford knocked off W&L, um, 84-77. That will probably end W&L's. Well, W&L wasn't even regionally ranked, so yeah, that'll end that. Uh, Guilford women with an upset there in the uh, ODAC quarterfinals. Remember, quarterfinals, they will play the semi-Saturday in the championship on Sunday in women's basketball, they will play the quarters tomorrow in men's basketball semis on Saturday and championship on Sunday. Uh, other games that are jumping out at me in women's basketball action, Worcester State beat Westfield State. We mentioned this earlier, 90-75. to Randolph-Macon over Shenandoah, 75-48 in the ODAC. Uh, East Texas Baptist continuing to play well, 75-58 win over Howard Payne. Uh, Emory and Henry escaped Lynchburg, 61-57. Games that are going on right now. Roanoke is all over Bridgewater. Roanoke was, what, were they third in the conference? Uh, no, further down. Sorry, but Bridgewater um, in women's basketball. This, this was a battle of the 4-5, essentially. And Roanoke is absolutely smoking them right now. Last score update I had was 53-26 uh, midway through the third quarter. Unbelievable. John Carroll women with a win over Ohio Northern, 64-49 for the 25-ranked John Carroll women. Uh, Texas-Dallas is underway. We'll have to get a check on their score. Mary Hunt Baylor, we mentioned this earlier, over Bellhaven, easy on 98-55. Augsburg's in a battle with St. Thomas in a battle of top 20s. Augsburg's ranked 16th. Uh, St. Thomas is ranked uh, 20th, and it's 46-45. By the way, scoring update, Texas-Dallas up on Concordia, Texas, 37-27. That's early in the third quarter. Um, sorry, I'm, I clicked on the wrong link that I wanted. There we go. Um, nope, I didn't. Someone's updating. Oh, there we go. 56-46 now in the fourth quarter. Well, apologize. It's, it, just for the record, Stretch, don't, don't have your video window open when I'm clicking on live stats. No one wants the video automatically starting, okay? If I wanted the live video on a, on a Stretch broadcast... I would have clicked on the live link. Instead, I clicked on the live stats link. I just wanted the live stats, not have the video start. Sorry, off my, off my, off my uh, soapbox here. Augsburg leads St. Thomas 56-45 with 8.29 remaining. If Augsburg holds on, St. Thomas is in jeopardy of not making the NCAA tournament in women's basketball. Plain and simple. Not in serious jeopardy of not winning or getting in the NCAA tournament. Um, Loris and Luther have started. We'll see if we can get a score update from that. Baldwin Wallace is all, uh, all over Marietta in women's basketball, 72-41. That's a final. Bethel defeated is up on Gustavus. That's a battle. Gustavus Adolphus has given Bethel all they can handle right now, 48-42. That one is uh, late in the third quarter, last score update. Warburg has started against Coe. We'll see if we can get a score update on that. Whitman and Puget Sound play at 10 o'clock tonight. That's in 30 minutes time. That's Eastern time. And Whitewater and Oshkosh. Oshkosh leads by 20 
in this game. It's a women's basketball game, 65-45 as they start the fourth quarter. I'm sorry, update 73-49 now. Oshkosh is is absolutely trunch, trouncing Whitewater. Whitewater would get the pool C, I suspect, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I don't know if that bursts a bubble necessarily. So, so far in women's basketball, not a lot of bubbles burst, I don't think. In men's basketball action, I'm going to hit refresh here because there's so much going on. I'm not sure if, uh, okay, now we got some scoring updates. We'll go through some of these. Uh, Gwyneth Mercy in men's basketball defeated Marymount 87-83. Remember, the AEC is playing for a pool B bid, and Gwyneth Mercy wants to get in on that bid. Grove City over St. Vincent trying to keep their magical season alive. Grove City barely wins but gets past Grove uh, St. Vincent by a point, 70-69. Chatham, the great story from last year, um, making the NCAA tournament. They will miss out this year. They lose in the semifinals to Geneva, 91-63. to uh, that is an upset in that conference. Doesn't burst any bubbles, though. Nichols over Gordon, 88-76. Um, looking mainly for upsets. I'm not listing off all the other scores. The other AEC game, Wesley defeats Immaculata, 85-75. So it'll be Wesley versus Gwyneth Mercy for the championship in that conference. Uh, though likely Gwyneth Mercy is going to get the pool B anyway, I suspect. Endicott had to hit a buzzer beater inside to beat Wentworth. 63-62 to avoid the upset there. Uh, Letourneau got past Mary Harden-Baylor, 94-90, though, and that keeps Letourneau's hopes alive. Looking mainly for upsets, Texas-Dallas past Harden-Simmons, 77-61. East Texas Baptist upset, quote-unquote, Concordia, Texas, 80-76 to keep the ASC hopes in the men's basketball alive for maybe multiple picks. I'm not sure if they will get them or not, but keeps those alive. LaSalle has... Uh, lost some of its lead up. Artist Magnus coming back a little bit. It's halfway through the first half, 34-30. LaSalle leading that. Uh, Louisiana College is losing to Sol Ross State currently. Uh, Coe is defeating Warburg in men's basketball. Not surprising there. MSOE is up on Benedictine. There's less than eight minutes to play. It's 56-49. Keep an eye on that one. That might pop a bubble. if because I don't know it Benedictine on whether they get in as an at large, especially losing the semis is certainly up for debate. What their pluses are might be now kind of squashed a bit with a loss tonight. Um, so keep an eye on that. Milwaukee school of engineering is up on Benedictine's 56 49 with less than eight minutes to play. We'll keep an eye on that one. Um, trying to look for games. Uh, Marietta uh, right now. It's not a bubble pop. But John Carroll defeated them 86-79. Marietta, the number 21 team in the country. Um, if, if John Carroll were to win the conference championship, then it's a bubble pop. Um, but right now it's not. Though, to quote somebody else, Marietta may be in, but they may be losing some sleep on this too because they are putting themselves in a tough spot. Oshkosh and lacrosse is a dandy right now. That's halfway through the second half, and it's a three-point game. Uh, Yeshiva and Farmingdale State are tied. Yeshiva cannot afford to lose that game. That was the last score update I had. Now Farmingdale leads 60-56 to 56 with six minutes left to go in the second half. I saw a fascinating um, op-ed out of Yeshiva about their fans coming to games and just sitting there and enjoying the games, not really cheering their team on. You certainly hope that the fans are on their edge of their seat to try and help Yeshiva here. Yeshiva is being outscored in the second half, 31-13. They had a 43-29 lead at the break. 
They are being outscored 31-13 here in the second half. Yeshiva loses, and we have the oh-no scenario for this weekend with just two losses. Does Yeshiva get in despite other parts of their criteria not being so great? I want Yeshiva to win only because I don't want to have that conversation Sunday night. I also want Yeshiva to maybe be at the table because I think the committee is going to have to have a hard and fast conversation about if SOS or win-loss or whatever the case may be, like the women tend to have, women would give that, if it's women choosing, Yeshiva's in. But the men haven't had that tendency. And I think that's going to be where the conversation goes. Yeshiva's got to get its act together. Uh, Nebraska Wesleyan is winning. Mount Union had an easy win over Heidelberg, so it'll be Mount Union versus John Carroll for that conference title. Um, Platteville versus Eau Claire. That one's a dandy, too. You should tune in. Platteville's only got a couple-point lead. Uh, St. John's has easily over St. Olaf right now by 20. St. Thomas had been in a battle with St. Mary's, but now it's a 13-point game, and that one is starting to slip out of the hands of St. Mary's. I'm checking to see if the guys have been talking about anything. Um, they sometimes are chatting, and I don't get to see it. Um, we mentioned the Farmingdale one earlier. I totally forgot about that. I apologize. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see if we got any questions from any of you fans. Besides Michael giving me a compliment. I appreciate that, sir. Uh, Jeffrey Scott. Is there any up? Uh, hold on. I'm double checking something here. Any update on the ACAA CAC merger? No, there isn't. Um, I, I know, Jeffrey, you would look for it. But to be honest with you, our, our focus is not on <laughs> chasing that one down this time of year. That said, I will repeat this. At, at the convention... I said the ACAA and CAC had apparently agreed to a merger as soon as next season. In other words, as soon as the next academic year kicks in, those two will be merged. It it keeps CAC's AQs alive. Remember, York leaves um, this year, which would start the clock, or start next year, I should say, after this year. It starts the clock. And then St. Mary's and Southern Virginia leave the following year. Um, start the clock on the two-year moratorium to get your numbers back up to seven to get to keep your AQ. That's what we reported then. We've mentioned it several times since. I have not been able to get anything more on that. I highly suspect they're still working out details, to be honest. But here's the thing. I, if I'm wrong, people would tell me. And no one has told me I'm wrong. And I can tell you my, my sources are pretty solid. So there you go. I don't have anything to update on it, but at the same time, I don't have anything to say I'm wrong, if that makes any sense. Um, I don't think we're going to get a lot of updates. And again, I say this bluntly, this isn't going to be, they play games in the conference scenario. They will, they may play against each other, but that isn't what this conference is for. It's about saving the AQ, plain and simple. It's not going to be, it's going to be the ACAA, with bigger members, but in the, under the CAC's umbrella to save the AQ. Because the ACA has no, no AQs. If they were to go under the ACA umbrella, they would lose the AQs instantly and now have to go two years with no AQs. They're going to go under the CAC umbrella, I am quite sure, and as a result, immediately hold on to those AQs. Um, it's a final now. St. John's defeats St. Olaf 71-43. St. Johnny's will, face, will head off to the Mayak Championship game. Um, I'm double checking some other things here. 
to see if anything on the Twitter scope has uh, jumped out at us score-wise. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan easily over Simpson, 91-77. Um, there's, there's a bunch of things going on here. Uh, just trying to keep an eye out for what might be going on. So much to try and follow sometimes. It is difficult to say the least. Um, that's all I got right now. So double check to see if any of you got questions. John Carroll will likely be starting for Mount Union in the OAC championship against John Carroll. That's true. Brian Scott's right. John Carroll might be starting in the OAC championship game for Mount Union against John Carroll because Mount Union has a guy named John Carroll. That's pretty funny. I like that one. Um, Double-checking the email here. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, Platteville, 71, Eau Claire, or 74, Eau Claire, 71. So, yeah. Lots of interesting things going on. And, again, the committee meets, you know, on Sunday. The racks will meet on Sunday morning. The National Committee starts work in the afternoons. Um, I think the committee chairs were very insightful. Um, for the most part, um, I, I know the one thing in the men's side, and I say this because I got a text about it during the show, that, that people are still confused by is Emory over Randolph-Macon in the regional rankings. And I had said a week ago that Randolph-Macon would move ahead of them if they beat Guilford, and they didn't. And so both teams are one and one against Guilford with... Emory's results, I think, being, you know, a, a blowout and then a, a what, a two-point loss, three-point loss? And Randolph making those results being a little bit different. The SOS clearly in favor of, of Emory. The win-loss percentage is in favor of Randolph making. The results versus regionally ranked opponents is 4-0 in favor of, or 4-0 for Emory, 5-1 for um, for Randolph making, 4-0 for Emory. But Emory's got two wins against the number two. Randolph-Macon's got two wins against the number six and one win against the number three. I think I'd give that to Emory, to be honest with you. Uh, common opponent is Guilford. They're one and one. Both teams are. And just the flatness of that, if we dive in, again, I think I'd give that to Emory. If it goes to the tie break and in the, in the secondary criteria, and they got to go to the secondary, the non-conference SOS, that's in favor of Randolph-Macon by 533 to 500, according to our mathematician. Again, as we talked to Karen Harvey, that's not information we can see publicly, but maybe in the future data sheets we can see that. Um, but without going to the secondary criteria, I think I'd give it to Emory. They've got um, a better SOS. They've got, in my opinion, better results against Guilford. Um, they have... Um, well, better SOS, better, oh, and better, in my opinion, a better results versus regionally ranked opponents. But everybody can see it differently, and that's what's so unique about it. And I think what's interesting about it, and I, I think the committee, though, is still giving this to Emory. But that said, Emory's going to play one game this week. Let's say they get a win. It's over Chicago. They get one game this week. It's a win. Randolph-Macon potentially has got three games this week. I think that alone will drive Emory pat or drive Randolph Macon past Emory. 
because the win-loss numbers will become far greater in terms of difference. Even if they, even if Randolph Mingo were to take a loss, God forbid, but if they took three more wins, I think that difference becomes significantly more. And what watch what Emory can't do this week and Randolph Macon can do is pick up results versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, and so I think this ends up going in Randolph Macon's favor. That said, they got to play three games in three days. So it, it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, tie ball game between Yeshiva and Farmingdale now, 64 all. Uh, that's two minutes left. Yeshiva's finally maybe woken up a wee bit. Um, women's basketball, Loris defeated Luther 74 61 to move on to the tournament there. Uh, Wartburg defeated Co 72 57 to move on. So it'll be Wartburg versus um, Loris in women's basketball action for the third time. They just played, what, about a week ago? It was a heck of a game. That should be a great conference championship game there. Oshkosh is beating Whitewater 80 to 61, and there's no chance Whitewater. I don't think Whitewater overcomes a 19-point deficit here with three minutes left to go in the game. So this might pop a bubble in the women. In the, in the central region, Whitewater is, sorry, hold on, number one. They would stay there. That takes a bid. Oshkosh isn't even on the radar. Lacrosse is, forgive me here. Need to find the – here we go. Um, I'm looking for lacrosse's score from tonight. Did they not – oh, here it is. Oh, I don't have it. Hold on. That's why I didn't have it. I didn't have it up. I'm sorry. Um, Eau Claire defeated lacrosse 59-56. Wow. So in the women's regional rankings in the Central, number one loss tonight. No other Wisconsin school is on there. So Whitewater losing tonight's already popped the bubble somewhere in the women's side of things. Because I don't think it matters who wins at AQ. Well, lacrosse was four. So that officially pops a bubble. So one and four have both lost in the central regions tonight. Oshkosh versus Eau Claire for the AQ. That means a third team in the YX getting in. A bubble's popped somewhere on the women's side. That's one bid we didn't expect to go. Or if you look at a chalk. So there's there's one team that was sitting on the bubble in women's basketball who's now in deeper trouble because of that. Um, I mean, it's a 17-point game for Whitewater, but there's less than two minutes to play. Uh, third quarter, UT Dallas up on Concordia, Texas, 44-36. Keep an eye on that. That's a heck of a game. Um, St. Thomas down by nine with a minute 46 left in women's basketball. St. Thomas might be playing themselves out of the tournament. They got to they gotta beat Augsburg, in my opinion. Um, just my two cents. So that's going to wrap us up. I, I, I mean, we'll, the Shiva game, 44-40. I mean, I'm 44-40. 44-40. seconds left, 68-point win. Yeshiva's leading by a point. I hope they don't hate me for this, but I'm going to see if we can maybe pull this one up. Um, I don't usually – I didn't want to do this necessarily, but uh, we're going to try it here. Um, give me a second as I just have to do this. Um, just give me a moment. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I thought so. Wrong one. Switch it over to here. There we go. Let's see if we can call this up real quick. Um, there we go. There we are. Yeshiva's up by three. I don't think we're going to get audio with this. Um, 
but we'll at least dip in. Audio's off. There we go. We will get some audio. I'm going to turn it down. Crowd does look pretty good there. Can you hear me? I'm making sure. I'm going to turn this audio down a little bit further. Yeshiva, home team's going the, on the right, not the left. Just, just, just my own bone to pick there. That's how it's supposed to go. Um, we'll come back to me here temporarily as they're in a timeout. Farmingdale State down by three with 21 seconds left. We'll keep an eye on that. When that game ends, then we'll wrap up the show, which gives me a chance to say thank you to all of the guests who came on. Um, will you guys be doing a studio whip-around show this year? They are always great. Probably not. Sorry, probably not. A couple reasons. Um, schedule doesn't allow, I don't think, Gordon and Ryan to be able to get down here on Friday, which would leave me by myself. And to be honest with you, you can't do a whip-around show by myself. And then Saturday, it looks like I'm probably going to end up having plans that evening. So as a result, no. I don't believe we'll be doing a whip-around show this year, at least the opening weekend. I apologize. It really comes down to schedules and what we all can do sometimes. Remember, Gordon and Ryan especially are spending time to come down here and play, as it were, down here. And so tough to ask them to do that if they've got other things they need to do. And for me, um, I don't think I've got any work that weekend. I really should check that, though. Um, but I may have plans on Saturday night. So uh, remember, the men's committee is looking to – Stagger the games, so also a chance to go to games possibly. May take advantage of that. But the second weekend, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but the first weekend, now I'm afraid I don't think we're going to be able to do whip around this year. I apologize. Eau Claire up on Platteville, 75-74 with nine seconds left. Uh, that could pop a bubble with, with Benedictine probably losing. I want to double-check their score here. Um, Benedictine down by 10 with two minutes left. Um the Central Region is is killer to begin with, and it's looking like it's going to be killer tonight. Um, I'm going to see if I can get to that Platteville game, but no guarantees. Four Five-point game here. This one's going to wrap it up. Yeshiva, oh, there's a little bit of a whistle here. Gives us me a chance to try and get to the, to the um, Platteville game. I'm not sure I'm going to get there in time, but we'll try. This one's wrapped up, so obviously we could get away from it. Um, yeah, so hold on a second, folks. We're going to dip out of this game. As that one looks like it's wrapped up at Yeshiva, we don't need to really necessarily worry about it. In the meantime, it is uh, three seconds left in the Platteville-Eau Claire game. Just give me a second. I'm trying to set this up to get to you. There we go. Now it's full screen. Now we can go to it. Talking it through. So there you go. It is 77-74. Eau Claire leading Platteville with 7.4 seconds left. Obviously, Platteville wants to hit a three here. I don't know how much this pops a bubble. We'll check it out. Three-pointer forced by Quinton. Missed. And while well, the clock runs out on the screen, ignore that. Because there's definitely time on the clock. But that's probably going to wrap it up. As a uh, MVP, honest with you, a bad shot taken there. Uh, forcing it up there. Is, looks like Platteville is going to lose that. Um, we'll keep an eye on it just in case. Um, not, not pretty to say the least in that shot. Um, I, I don't know what you're, 
you got to look for a better shot there. One second left, down by four now. That one's probably going to be done and dusted. I'm trying to determine if that upsets how much bubbling that does. In the central region, that would mean, well, it would, because Oshkosh and Lacrosse weren't in a position. So, yeah, that pops a bubble. We'll quickly uh, go into the, the finale there. There you see it. Eau Claire with the upset over Platteville. So another bubble popped. Both coming out of the WIAC, one on the women's side and one on the men's side. As you see it there, coming to a finish, 78-74. Um, so that's a bubble pop. I'm going to quickly check the Yeshiva game just to see if that's final yet. It's not. We'll keep an eye on it. But um, we have two bubbles pop. Lacrosse and, and Oshkosh tied with 35 seconds left. I can't go on all night here tonight. Um, but Platteville losing pops that bubble, so that's one gone. Benedictine is losing. Let's double-check the score on that. Um, 73-70, so they've come back. It's within 12. Man, we'll try and dip in there, too. That would pop a bubble, um, maybe. Uh, I'm just double-checking this Farmingdale State game doesn't get really wonky here with 10 seconds left. It's a four-point game. I'm just keeping an eye on it. Um, trying to get to Benedictine if we can. Maybe there's something there to watch. Well, they're in commercial, apparently, or they're running a commercial for us. Uh, where's my other game? Trying to get to the Oshkosh lacrosse game. That's right. Sorry, folks. This is what happens. This is why you don't want me doing it by myself, just for the record. MSOE up by three with eight seconds left on Benedictine. Let's let's take a peek at that one. Ice in his veins. Dipping in now, as you can hey, see. They definitely showed uh, Oshkosh, you know, what they were made of, Sorry, especially that first high half. Somewhere else. We'll mute that. So barring, now barring a foul on a three. So MSOE's got to hit this shot, shot not so much by to basically end this game. In the meantime, Oshkosh and Lacrosse are tied with 15 seconds left. That might end it. Ben Yu is going to pop a bubble, potentially. Um, of course, now everybody's texting me. Thanks. Um, all right, misses it. So Benedictine can't waste time here. they got to get a shot up. They force the three. Rims out. That's it. That's going to do it, folks. Benedictine pops a bubble i i i i'm thinking they may get in i'm not positive but if they do get in that pops another bubble so that's potentially two bubbles tonight in men's basketball as oshkosh losing pops a bubble um i'm sorry platteville losing in men's basketball action i'm quickly checking the yeshiva game that's over we'll just take a look at the crowds um as that one is done, Yeshiva wins 74-69, so that doesn't pop any bubbles. Uh, or put the committee for now, whoa, in trouble. As they went immediately to a break. Get out of that. Um, all right, going to this one here in Oshkosh and Lacrosse. 64-64 gives us a chance to just kind of reset things here a bit. Um, double checking anything else that might have come in. Man, there's so much going on tonight suddenly here as we're trying to wrap this show up. 
Um, so Yeshiva won, so that avoids a bubble. But one bubble popped in the women's side is Whitewater losing uh, and lacrosse losing in women's basketball. So that's two bubbles essentially popped in the central. At least one, if not two bubbles, popped out of the central region in women's basketball action. Um, and then I'm literally trying to figure out what else is going on here. This is why we don't do the uh, whip around if I'm by myself. So let's see what happens. I'm dipping in here. Apparently, Eau Claire women. Yeah, we already knew that. Sorry, I'm looking at notes. So we'll keep an eye on this. Nine tenths of a second left between Oshkosh and Lacrosse. Um, Oshkosh gets to the championship game. It gets really interesting. Of course, this is the defending national champions, Oshkosh. It's really interesting whether they could make it as an at-large team with a lot of their resume being eh, but some of their resume being really good. Lacrosse, in the meantime, is sitting behind them in the regional rankings. Lacrosse is trying to find some way to get past Oshkosh. If Lacrosse were to win, it, it ends Oshkosh's chances of getting into the tournament. If Lacrosse wins, it also puts them ahead of Oshkosh, giving them a better chance. So here you go, nine-tenths of a second left, inbounds play. That's going to be too late. So they're heading to overtime. No, we're not staying with it in overtime, but that game heading to overtime. You'll want to check that one out when you get a chance. Quick check of other scores going on, just so I double-check, make sure we're not missing anything. St. Thomas over St. Mary's and St. John's over St. Olaf. So it'll be the Johnnies and the Tommies for the Mayak Championship. Um, Johnnies win, it definitely pops a bubble. St. Thomas wins, it gets interesting. And I say that because the Johnnies have had some interesting criteria. I think the Johnnies get in. But their SOS is eh, not so lovely. Their SOS right now is a 499. So, I mean, yeah, it puts them right on that bubble. And I'd argued, if you've been on the show a couple weeks back, that they should get in and that that SOS shouldn't hurt them. Granted, playing St. Thomas is going to help that SOS. So they, they'd get on the right side. So that, that outcome is not going to pop a bubble in the grand scheme of things whatsoever. Um, checking other scores. Um, we already know Eau Claire and Platteville, that one ended, though apparently it has not ended on the live stats, as Eau Claire upsets Platteville, so that pops a bubble. Um, Nebraska-Western over Simpson, we mentioned that. Yeshiva wins. Remember the GNAC games, both men's semis got pushed to tomorrow. The championship will be played on Sunday in the Little East. One of their semifinals got pushed to tomorrow. That championship game will be played on Sunday as well. That's due to a deadly accident on I-81. Of course, our thoughts are with those who were involved in that accident. Marietta lost. I'm not sure if that pops a bubble, but when bubbles start getting popped, Marietta's going to get closer and closer to a bubble. Um, that's it on the men's side right now going on. And on the women's side, games are getting underway. You can certainly check them out. So we're going to wrap up the show on that note because I don't know what else you want to talk about. Um, does the NAC get two teams in? Andrew Weber asks on Twitter. Possibly. But here's the thing. Benedictine really would have helped themselves if they were in the championship game and, did, and lost. Losing in the semifinal puts them in some, puts them in some interesting scenarios. Um, they were sitting third in the regional rankings at 25, so now they're 20 and 6. And if you look at their um, other criteria, Benedictine is 3-0 versus regionally ranked opponents. Their SOS is going to hover around 500. They're going to have a win over North Central. They may be in an okay shape. They may be in an okay shape to get in. So, yeah, it would be two teams from the NAC 
as a result of that. Um, do, 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 do. I think that's it, folks. I want to thank uh, Dixie Jeffers for appearing on the show and joining us to talk about the uh, women's um, all-star game in uh, at, in uh, Capitol this year in Columbus, the Beyond Sports WBCA, and the, in our segment with the WBCA Center Court. Dixie, great to chat with, as always. Appreciate her taking the time to do that. I also want to thank Karen Harvey from Montclair State, who's the Women's Basketball Committee Chair. And I want to thank uh, Sam Atkinson, who is the Men's Committee Chair, from Gallaudet. want to appreciate them coming on. Uh, of course, as always, want to thank Ryan Gasser from uh, Capital for his help. I want to thank Mike Scala for his help uh, out of Montclair State. And I want to thank Sam Atkinson for his help out of Gallaudet. I mean, we've got to thank the SIDs, right? Gallaudet is the S. Gallaudet's SID is the same gentleman we talked to tonight. <laughs> All right, so Sunday night, we'll be on the air starting at 6 o'clock. We will have interviews with teams that have, that have maybe surprised and gotten some automatic bids. Maybe some teams are on the bubble. Honestly, I can't tell you who I'm going to have it, absolutely, because I'm just not that so sure. Um, we'll also have our committees. Uh, on the men's side, it looks like it'll be Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, uh, and Mike Blaine. We may add one person to that. Mike's the head coach at Plattsburgh uh, to help us break down uh, what we think are the mock selections. Uh, behind the scenes, Gordon Mann and Pat Coleman will also be helping and maybe chiming in, but um, not as of yet planning to have them on on the broadcast um let's see on the women's side we will have at least bj spiegelmeyer from DeSales, chris mitchell from uh wash U will be joining us i'm hoping but i'm not positive that james wagner will join us as well if not trying to find one or two more as well to join us uh on our selections we will do them that evening six o'clock the show starts our selections won't start until at least seven o'clock probably do the men from seven until about nine then the women from nine and then we'll probably wrap up the show and go to bed. A reminder, the brackets will be released 12.30 Eastern time on NCAA. You can find the links on d3hoops.com as well. Uh, 12.30 Eastern time on Monday is the men. 2.30 Eastern time is the women's. Then Monday night, we will be on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. Another quick note, our, uh, our fundraiser got no traction uh, tonight, and we got a little bit earlier in the, in the day, um, but... Not anything during the show. It goes through Monday night, so we got two big shows left to maybe drive that ship uh, as we get closer to 7,500, our goal. I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Thanks for participating where you participated. I really appreciate it. At the same time, for those of you who sent questions in, really appreciate those as well. Fun to answer those questions along the way. That's it. We're going to wrap it up. We'll see you back here Sunday night, 6 o'clock Eastern time. Of course, we'll be active on Twitter. You can follow me at D3Hoops. You can follow D3Hoops in general at D3Hoops and so on and so forth. But we'll see you back here Sunday night, 6 o'clock Eastern time. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. You've been watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks to our partners at Women's Basketball Coaches Association, National Association of Basketball Coaches, and, of course, Blue Frame Technology. They're not only our streaming partners here to pr provide this platform to stream the show on, but they're also the sponsors of our hotline, and we really appreciate their support. Thanks for watching Hoopsville, everybody. We'll see you back here on Sunday. If you've got any questions, you know how to get a hold of us, because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Good night, everybody.